We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid Death. Are you thirsty? Parched? Do you like dark and eerie sinister names for your beverages? Then you'll love Liquid Death. Go to liquiddeath.com. Use the promo code BIGBLUE. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always my co-host Nick Filato. Tonight we're here to break down the Giants offense on the All-22 Coaches film. We will run you through every single play. If you haven't been here before for this, and you're just showing up for the playoffs, welcome. You're going to like what you're about to see. Because you're going to get to see the Coaches film from both the sideline and end zone angle on this game. And this is a hell of a fun film to watch. I mean, let's be honest. This is the best I've seen the offense look. I was thinking about it in a playoff game, certainly since 2011 against the 49ers, where he let through for like 311. And in, and quite honestly, this was probably better than at game. This is honestly the best I've ever seen the offense look. Besides maybe, I guess, the Vikings 2000 game. But even then, I feel like this was better when you just think about it. And I adjusted to the opponent. I understand the Vikings were like 28th in DVOA. And even like the Jets and Patriots ripped through the air against the Vikings this season. But still, just overall, taking out that contest is the best. Look, the Giants punted twice in this game on both of those punts. There was a scenario where they weren't going to have to punt. The first was Richie James wide open over the middle. Ball gets batted at the line of scrimmage. Otherwise, he's wide open catching it, likely taking it for another 30 to 40 yards or more. And then obviously the Slayton drop, which as we'll see on the tape in a bit, I mean, he might have housed that. I don't know, but Slayton has the kind of speed where if he makes one cut and gets vertical there and puts plants his foot and gets ver- it's a chance he houses that. So the only times they were ever stopped were on a drop and a batted ball to line of scrimmage, both to wide open receivers, both with balls accurately thrown. So it was almost a flawless game. We talked about yesterday it was a flawless game from Daniel Jones. It was almost a flawless game from the entire offense, which is just kind of absurd to think about. I just want to think about, like, put this into context, Nick. We were the worst offensive team in the NFL last year. I understand some of that was with Glennon and Fromm. They averaged 15.2 points per game. They were worse. They were dead. They were near the bottom in every single thing. DVOA, EPA, red zone offense, their down offense. And then even if you go back a year before that, they were one of the worst offenses in the NFL in 2021. They were really bad in 2020. They were really bad in 2019. They were really bad in 2018. They were really bad in 2017. They were really bad. Our 2019 people think they were decent, but they really weren't. If you look at the numbers, they were just had some passing touchdowns and they beat up on some bad teams. 2018, 2017, 2016. Really, you got to go back to 2015 for the last time this offense had any kind of life. And now you're talking about a game where not only do they have life, they put together a dominant performance where they basically didn't miss. 
chewing up chunks of yardage play after play after play, man. And it's just crazy to see this. You talked a little bit about this before the pod, so I now want to turn it over to you, Nick, about what you thought, just how the progression has gone and where they're at now within this offense versus where they were at the beginning of the season. It's funny, Dan, because look back at the, at the beginning of this season, if we just want to throw back, we were talking, and I remember someone could dig it up. We were like, man, this Brian Dable offense, you know, we're not sure what it's going to look like, but it's probably going to be a lot of quick hitting passes, probably a lot of 10 personnel, which we hardly saw at all this entire season. Just get the football into Kadarius Tony and Wandell Robinson's hand and make everything a little bit more simplified for Daniel Jones because Jason Garrett's offense was just not a way to maximize a young quarterback's skill set. And here we are in the wild card round. And that's exactly what we're getting. We're getting a quick hitting offense where Daniel Jones can make that one read. If he likes it, he can take it. If not, he can run. And that's exactly what he's doing. And I feel like the offense is just so cohesive in the sense that all of these routes feed off of each other. All of these routes are either layered if it's horizontal to vertical, or you use Saquon Barkley out of the backfield, which is something that we have seen so much, Dan. And we're about to go through the film. How many times did Saquon Barkley, who could be either a line in shotgun or pistol, release to the flat, take the linebacker out, boundary stack, inside slant, wide open? That was available basically this entire game against Ed Donatel's defense. And there were little adjustments that Mike Kafka made in the second half, where instead of releasing Saquon Barkley outside towards the flat, he released him into the middle of the line of scrimmage and then released him into the flat. And he did that in three by one sets with all three of those wide receivers angling inside. And what did that do? Whenever Ed Donatel wanted to use Eric Kendricks on Saquon Barkley, Eric Kendricks now needed to, or Jordan Hicks, needed to flow through a bunch of traffic and it messed up the match principles of his defense. It forced them to push. And none of those defensive players who were on those three wide receivers really got that push communication in time to beat an athlete like Saquon Barkley outside. And it sprung these huge plays via the passing game. And I just love the fact that Kafka was able to make that adjustment and just make Donatel pay for not really altering his defense and also just trying to trust a linebacker to cover Saquon Barkley in man coverage. And I love how you talk about how this is something Kafka has been so consistent with this whole year, but like breaking other people's tendencies, like pattern match defense, you know, you know, the concepts, you know how to break it, like you said, and then you call the plays and execute in a way where you can break some of those. And I just felt like to me, the biggest takeaway was the comfortability of Daniel Jones right now in this mm -hmm. offense. It's kind of insane to think about where we were earlier this season where we were like, dude, please just read that read that you have the bubble screen out there against this blitz and throw it out there. And he wasn't at that time. And that's fine. He was what three, four games into a new system. And then all it takes is another 12 games. And it's like, he's locked in fully now understanding things. There were multiple times where he played the blitz perfectly and threw the bubble out there. There was a time late in the game where they sent six and he found Saquon Barkley in the flat. And that was another big play. There was a time where two times where I saw Daniel Jones flip his hips and look to the pre-snap one side of the field where he had his pre-snap determined read. It wasn't there. And he moved so fast back to the other side of the field. Another one was actually, there was multiple and there's at least three because I'm thinking of the Slayton one too, where he threw the deep ball into the end zone right after the big plate. I wasn't even thinking of that. I was thinking of two other ones, but it just, it just feels like it all happened very fast for Daniel Jones within this system. And it all really did click that Washington overtime, that Washington overtime where you just were like, you know what? It's time. Let's turn it over. Let's see if he can operate the offense. We've always wanted him to operate. Like it was always the goal. Maybe originally the giants went into this thing. Like, eh, we don't have the greatest personnel. We don't really trust our whole line. We don't want to trust our receivers. 
let's just wait to year two to kind of open this thing up and run the offense the way they want to. But they didn't have to. And I'm so happy that they didn't have to because we could have rolled into this playoffs with this run first crap that we ran earlier in the season. I don't want to call it crap. It was good while it lasted. But like you said, at the first the first person to say it, Nick, was it was a lot of smoke and mirrors type stuff. And this is no longer smoke and mirrors. That's the key difference here. And that's why it's very exciting to watch this film. They're playing efficient, mistake-free football. And Daniel Jones is absolutely fantastic operating this offense. And think about it, dude. There were a couple plays where the Giants found themselves in second and long, second and 13, second and 12, second and 10 because of negative plays on first down. According to my charting, the Giants were, and Daniel Jones specifically, was seven of seven for 76 yards with a 10-yard rush on second and 10 plus, which is insane. Those are basically all got to have it downs or else your drive is basically screwed because the Vikings are going to pin their ears back and get after you. You took one sack in those situations, in those scenarios, but that one sack was towards the end of the game when Daniel Jones was just trying to have the clock roll. Remember, he rolled out to his right and he was just like, all right, I want to fall down, take the hit. Seven of seven for 76 yards with a 10-yard rush. That is phenomenal right there from Daniel Jones. And he is earning all the right there, Nick. Thank you. He is earning all of the praise right now that he deserves and it's freaking amazing because this kid was down in the dumps brian dable and mike kafka put him into a situation where he can succeed and he sees the moment he sees the day shout out to avenge sevenfold good job daniel jones avenge sevenfold is pretty good i feel i feel like that's a pretty fun band i remember them from it's that one one? (laughs) yeah of course (laughs) man back country that country that's the one uh it's like from madden or something i remember it was in my head one of those video games i used to play but yeah, I mean that's that's a factor there. It's like one thing to for him for them to turn it over and create this whole offense for a player as they sh- as any coach should for a quarterback. That's exactly. the whole objective. But it's another to actually then execute it and then to get co- so comfortable in it that you can have situations where you're coming off your pre-snap determined reads and you're you're so comfortable with the idea of like, "Oh man, um uh, this is a third down here. I think it might I'm thinking of a play that's a second down, but whatever it is, the second and long or third and long, they're running we're running mesh, they're they're playing man. I know it clicks so fast in his head that I have this running lane. And I'm going to take this running lane once that mesh route clears out that 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 open middle part of the field. And that's the type of things he does. And it's just it's really exciting to watch. I hope that they can carry this over to the Eagles game. We'll talk about that a lot more this week. It's going to yeah. be a really interesting game. I mean, earlier this season, we had thoughts, especially after that first Giants-Eagles game. We're like, all right, well, we kind of saw the difference here. Like, we're not on this level yet. We're not ready for that yet. And now it's like only six weeks later, I kind of don't have that feeling anymore. I'm like, oh, you know what? Maybe we can beat the Eagles. I don't know. The Eagles aren't playing so well, and we're pretty healthy. But, you know, we'll see next week, obviously. But as far as this week goes, this is just it's just incredibly fun to watch tape. I just... The Giants offense hasn't been fun to watch in so freaking long. And even earlier this year when they were better than what they were and they were converting in the red zone, they were fun because it was Kafka and it was Dable and they're creating interesting, unique things in the run game. There was an occasional bootleg that led to a big play or something. But now it's this is the kind of fun that I've always wanted. I've always wanted pass first fun. My whole life I've wanted pass first fun. And yeah, pass first fun, that's exactly what you want. But the Giants employed 21 personnel and use jet motion so often they were running the football exotically out of that package, that pony package. Just thinking off the top of my head, I wrote down over here, actually, you had the one halfback stretch to Saquon Barkley. You had a jet sweep that ended up converting a third and short to Matt Breida. You had an end around sweep in the red zone to Darius Slayton and a fake halfback pitch wingback handoff power to Matt Breida. All out of pony 21 personnel. And that's not even to mention how much just the motioning of the wingback, which was traditionally Matt Breida, affected the second level defenders of the Vikings 
offense. And that's something that we've all been, or defense, that's something we've all been calling for this entire year. We want to see more Pony. We want to see more Matt Breida on the football field. The Giants saved it for the playoffs and they ran that package 20% of their offensive snaps. And that's, um, that's great, man. That's exactly what you want to see. And it was a very successful package. I'm telling you this Giants coaching staff, they're the ultimate maximizers of talent. I think that's a fair statement. I put it out today on Twitter. I was like, who runs a more diverse offense right now and than the Giants? The 49ers, someone said, which is fine. They're like, make your case for the Niners. But outside of the 49ers here, I'm even including the Chiefs in this. I would take the Giants from a diverse offensive diversity standpoint over anyone. Definitely over the Chiefs from what I've seen from the Chiefs. They don't need to get that diverse. They they have a offense that's locked in. But I mean, even like they pulled out things that we weren't even we haven't seen all season. A Statue of Liberty play, dude. I love the play that didn't work, but it was like a four yard gain on a second and five where they had everyone moving with Barkley in motion. It was kind of like an end around to Brita where he's like lined up tight. That was pretty interesting and cool. That could work. The um the 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 end around to Darius Slayton was really close to working. Like there were a couple plays in this game that were, if Wanham doesn't make like two sick plays for them it's like that Slayton play could have been a touchdown and the Jones run could have been a touchdown too I also thought that was a bad block by Neil which I'm going to wait to hear your take on because you last time I thought it was a bad block by Neil like in the red zone play earlier on a designed Jones run like three four games ago you kind of talked me off the ledge on that you're like well he has to do two assignments this one I felt like was just one assignment and like he should just make that Mm -hmm. block and it's a touchdown but we'll see when we get to that in the film obviously but there's new every week, dude. There's a new unique thing in the run game, and there's new unique stuff in the passing game. It's pretty insane to watch a, a staff go to work like this. It is. It's great. And I think the offensive line, I know Evan Neal had a little bit of a rocky game, but I think they deserve a ton of credit yes. for this, for just how they performed. Like it's a pretty solid Minnesota defensive front. But I'll say this, man, that defensive secondary was horrendous because there were quite a few coverage busts, like a lot mm-hmm. of coverage busts. There was a lot of looking at each other, pointing at it, pointing at each other and not really understanding what their assignments were. That is a bad, bad defense. Vikings <laughs> defense, and we'll see it here. I mean, you're going to see so much open space, but not to take anything away from the Giants and Daniel Jones because that's who you matched up against, and not every team has been able to torch the Vikings. Like That's the fact of the matter. It's a playoff game. The intensity was there. More importantly, the crowd level was high, so there were things working against the Giants offense too. But let's dive into this thing, Nick, and let's start this bad boy off with the first drive of the game for the Giants. Right away, there was no, you know, sometimes they've offenses started slow, not this game. They have a five-play, 75-yard drive. And by the way, before we roll this play, or you can roll and we can go back, I mean, all of the drives in this game were basically 75 yards or more. Like, it's insane. The Giants had a horrible field position in this game. No thanks to their special teams just being terrible. And they found a way out of it. You talk about digging themselves out of tough spots. That first and 20 play, you, that play you just ran, this is a first and 20 after Nick Gates holding on a big Barkley run. And it was a good call. It was a holding. And they're able to get themselves into a second and manageable. The snap of their fingers here by, like you said, a play that will, you know, a concept we'll see a lot of. Saquon Barkley going to the flat here, having to take, you know, expanding the defense a little bit, pre-snap motion, opening up that little void for just a quick hitter, drills it right into James, picks up 13. And look, just like we said, it's very apt. The first play, you see Cam Bynum, the safety at the bottom of the screen, communicating with his defense on something, right? This is an empty right. formation. Saquon Barkley comes in motion. Then 39, Sullivan starts communicating too. And watch, no one takes Richie James. And look at look at 39. He's throwing his hands in the air like, where the hell are you, Cam Bynum? If that was Cam Bynum's mistake or if it was maybe the linebacker's mistake, either way, you're finding a way to exploit this defense because they're just never or they weren't in this game on the same page. And all you do is move Saquon Barkley to the field side, removes Eric Hendricks, and now an easy throwing window for Daniel Jones to diagnose to Richie James 13 yards to set up a second and seven after a terrible first and 20 situation. 
And now it's a second and seven situation. They go to 11 personnel. Vikings are going to come out with like a cover two look here. And you're going to see the Giants try to run a cover two ba- uh, beater to the boundary. Ultimately, Daniel Jones decides, look, if you're playing me and you're doing what Nick's, you know, something you've talked about a lot, Nick, how these Vikings ends just kind of just rush up fields here and totally take themselves out of the middle of the air- area of the field. Just run it and take it. And that's exactly what Jones does here. And he did a lot of that on this drive. And it was really ec- excellent and helpful here. There's a chance, like, look, maybe he can throw this corner. But honestly, there's a chance that corner is, if he throws that corner out, it's incomplete. You know, it's receiver drops. It's something like that. This is the guarantee right here. Run and take the yards that they're giving you. Agreed. I think sticklers would be like, no, you throw this, you step up. Isaiah Hodgins is open. But you have Patrick Peterson underneath. Why risk it when you can right. just pick up? some yards with your legs and he ends up picking up the first down. So I'm hundred percent right. fine with him using his athletic ability. This is just a smash concept to the boundary. You have a switch release with the number two kind of running and then just sitting. You can see how Patrick Peterson stays right on top of that. But watch Patrick Peterson kind of squats and he, and he kind of cheats back a little bit, but he has to cheat back up because Daniel Jones is rushing towards the line of scrimmage. So I'm, I'm fine with Jones just using his legs, picking up the first down. I like it. I'm more than fuck because I just feel like it's guaranteed. And so now mm-hmm. it sets up a first and 10 situation here. 11 personnel. Again, you have what Nick and I have talked about a bunch in the last few podcasts, two by two, and just a play action from under center. And now you're going to start to see some things that Mike Kafka and Brian Dable obviously looked at when they played the Vi- from the first film against the Vikings. Like, no, we can dial up some deep passing concepts. It doesn't have to all be quick game. And this is a really nice deep passing concept, something we've talked about a lot. It's Marcus Johnson, who they sub in on the field here. Yeah, I think he had like seven snaps. He's running the deep post here. And that, uh, you know, brings brings open, uh, I'm sorry, Darius Slayton on this route. And let's look how wide open Slayton is to, uh, for Daniel Jones to deliver this football. Yeah, Harrison Smith gets taken out of his spot. He's looking at Isaiah Hodgins because the Giants motion Isaiah Hodgins to a stack with Marcus Johnson. And you can see how Isaiah Hodgins just runs and then he just kind of runs an OTB right into Jordan Hicks, who's covering Saquon Barkley. Harrison Smith, number 22, follows him there. But watch, Darius Slayton is against a cornerback who is in outside leverage on the other side of the field. And he just crosses the middle of the field. There's no way that cornerback can get to the front side of Darius Slayton. He's in no position to do that. And Patrick Peterson is cleared out by this nice little route from Marcus Johnson, who I felt like did a good job widening, winding, working into Patrick Peterson's blind spot, and then kind of exploding over the post. And that just kind of cleared out the space right by the 50 yard line in the numbers for Darius come across the field to make a catch for a 22 yard gain, man. Like this is just nice football right here. And I love the fact that the giants were going to the well for these explosive plays early in the game. Cause this isn't the yep. only one we're going to see. And flip it to the end zone angle real quick. I just want to take a look at what Daniel Jones is seeing and how the protection looks on a play like this. Cause again, if you're running from under center play action and a deep passing concept like this one, it's almost like a Yankee concept. You need the pass pro to hold up for the most part. And obviously you can see not, maybe not the greatest rep from Evan Neal, but outside of Evan Neal here, this is a pretty good job of the giants offensive line. And he rides him up the arc. At least DJ right. Wanham, DJ Wanham, who really impressed me in this game. I mean, there might be a little bit of a hold on Neil. You can't really see. Uh, maybe that's why Wanham's momentum went down, but either way, I mean, Evan Neal is Evan Neal right now. He's not going to be crisp, but as long as there's no penetration into the pocket and Daniel Jones has a firm base to step up into, I'm not going to complain too much. And that's exactly what he had there, which is a good job by the rest of that offense line. And we'll include Neil in that as well. So now we have a first and 10 situation after that. And what are you going to see? Something Nick just talked about before the, during the intro, it's pony. It's 21 personnel. We've got Brita and we've got Matt uh, Barkley on the field here. 
two by two stack here. You're going to see them motion the running back to the field side here. And that's going to give you the opportunity to run uh, what they want to run here, which is like a double post. But once again, Daniel Jones looks at this, understands that. Well, guess what? I've diagnosed this play post snap. It's not there. What we expected to be there isn't there. It's not. There's no easy solution in the passing game. There's no even medium solution. So what am I going to do? I'm just going to run because look how look how wide that edge rusher take. Look at his path toward the quarterback. Like he just opens up an immediate lane there for the quarterback. And Evan, all Evan Neal really has to do is try to ride him up the arc. And it's pretty consistent the entire game, right? And if you want to yep. think about this from Mike Kafka's standpoint, what is one route concept? that the Giants have had a lot of success out of these boundary stacks. And it's something that the, the Giants hit a 30-plus yard play in the first meeting on Christmas Eve to Darius Slayton. The third down play, third and 15, where Darius Slayton dropped it at the end of the game was this same type of concept where you have a boundary stack. And what I mean by stack is you see how Isaiah Hodgins is on the line of scrimmage right behind him off the line of scrimmage is Saquon Barkley. Kafka put Saquon pa Barkley in pony personnel up there as the number two receiver behind Isaiah Hodgins but it's not man coverage. So you're going to get a zone coverage look. So instead of those man mistakes that Ed Donatel's defense make against this type of look, which is typically a drive series, we're going to have the number one wide receiver, Isaiah Hodgins run a deep crosser, a, a dig route, whatever you want to call it. It's more of a deep crosser. And then underneath you're going to have Saquon Barkley. It's a high low. The, that's something that the Vikings have really struggled to defend in man coverage, but they're in a the zone coverage look right here. So Daniel Jones diagnoses that. And still, even though he runs a lot against man, he sees the coverage, doesn't love what he is seeing from those two deep posts on the other side. He just picks it up with his legs and enforces Patrick Peterson to meet him about five yards down the field. And again, like Daniel Jones does frequently, Dan, he kind of makes defensive backs look silly by running around them. And here he throws a right. stiff arm to pick up an extra couple yards. That is a pretty cool stiff arm at the end of that play, too. I mean, this is just what he does, Daniel Jones. But that's an extra four or five yards, too. So it's nothing to, you know, you know, tap, we have to tip our cap to it. So now we have a first and 10 here for the Giants, and this is going to be the touchdown play. It's again out of 21 personnel. I love the blocking on this play, but I also from everyone on the Giants here, it's a collective, but I also love the patience from Saquon Barkley and the processing and the way that he kind of sets up his blocks there and then explodes the outside. Yeah, Saquon did a great job. And this is another play. This is a crack toss type of play. You're going to have Isaiah Hodgins, 215 pound Isaiah Hodgins block down on the end man on the line of scrimmage, Daniil Hunter, who is what, 245, 250 pounds, probably even more. And that's going to allow Andrew Thomas, look how Andrew Thomas moves 78 to just go right around him. It's just a pin pull concept goes right around him to kick out number 20. And then John Feliciano, not quite as fast as Andrew Thomas, gets there. And you're right, Saquon Barkley, how he's able to maneuver around Isaiah Hodgins and John Feliciano's block shows patience. It shows a lot of vision and just a lot of skill. That's the nuances of running back, right? Anybody right. can hit the hole hard, but Saquon Barkley waits for John Feliciano to get there to throw that block. And then instead of cutting right into this safety, he was in the alley. He squeezes in between Feliciano at the point of contact and Isaiah Hodgins as Andrew Thomas is just removing 20's life from the play. That's a really <laughs> good rush from Saquon Barkley, an excellent play side blocking, and I love the call. Crack toss, pinhole right. concept call to the field side to spring this 28-yard touchdown run. Yeah, it's another nuance in, within the run game. It's another wrinkle they're adding here with the, with the jet sweep. That's, with that's the Wanham, I believe, not not um, not Daniel Hunter, so I just wanted to clarify. Yeah, no worries. Just a beauty to watch when the run game looks like this. Um, just poetry in motion. And so and here we'll see it from the end zone angle. I felt like the Vikings end zone guy, if it's him doing this or her, wasn't that great. Like the Kenny Galladay block was not picked up all that well. I was a little bit disappointed. He does a solid job. 
on this play, but that's just maneuvering by Saquon Barkley, man. Like just, and just keep very an eye on 54 here too, right? Like this is all that by design, like 54 mm-hmm. is taken completely out of the play. He's the Mike linebacker on this play. You, if you want to make this run stop, you need the Mike to be in a good spot. Look at where the Mike ends up on this. Oh, man. Eric Kendricks runs into Jordan Hicks because he's so fooled off the jet sweep. And now he they're a man down. Now they're a man down. And you're forcing 24 to fill and 24 does that. Right. And he removes Saquon Barkley. If Saquon Barkley wanted to stay on the numbers, but Barkley just kicks it right outside in between two blockers. That is just phenomenal running. Look at Andrew Thomas too, man. Andrew Thomas is hyped. Andrew, we feel you, bro. We feel you at the top of the screen. If anybody wants to see it. He was absolutely about that. And that was fun to watch. So the Giants <laughs> kick off their, their, their first uh, series of the postseason on offense with a touchdown, which was awesome. And on their second series, the right go right back to the well. And it's another touchdown drive. This one had explosion in it. It was a four play 81 yard touchdown drive. If they were backed up after a punt, uh, I believe. And it starts off here with just an absolute zinger of a play, a 47 yard gain to Darius Slayton here on just double crossers against the cover six. And you just see the Vikings players kind of run into each other and Hodgins. I don't think this should have been called pass interference. I think it was just kind of a natural, like, you know, I don't want to call it a pick, just like a natural running into the receiver as you kind of kind of see Harrison Smith try to like flip his hips and get back to toward uh, Slayton on the crosser. But either way, look at the void, that void that's created and the open space and Slayton just does the rest. Exactly, because now you have a pony personnel again. You have Matt Breida in the boundary stack behind Isaiah Hodgins, and you're going to have that cover six look. Breida uses jet motion before the snap, something the Giants showed so many times, and then they actually handed it off on that third and one, which we'll get to a little bit later. And Daniel Jones acts like he's going into play action, doesn't really hand the football off to anybody. And you could see Harrison Smith doesn't anticipate this crosser. Nobody picks him up underneath because those underneath guys are going to be held by Daniel Bellinger. And you can see Saquon Barkley kind of leaking out as well. So no one gains depth to eliminate this reduced horizontal cross. We know Brian Dable runs a ton of Y cross. That was one of his staples when he was up there in Buffalo. So this is kind of like a variation of Y cross. It's kind of like a Yankee concept. You have the deep post, right? And you can see Hodgins runs into Harrison Smith because Harrison Smith is playing Hodgins. And then he's like, oh, crap, I have this guy coming across. Now he needs to do a speed turn, runs right into Hodgins. And now that's two defenders to that side who are going to be eliminated. And this results in a 47-yard gain to Darius Slayton, man. Just this isn't difficult if you're a defense, right? Like this isn't a, a, a very complex thing to defend, but the Vikings are an absolute mess. They have some big names in their secondary, Dan, but holy crap, they were yeah. a mess the entire game. Agreed. It's not like names aren't the re- like they do have some big names, but right now they're not operating. The- they're not on a good page with this system. It might get better. We talked to Sean about it in the preview, but right now it's it's a mess, obviously. And the Giants took it full advantage of it, and they're dialing up deep passing concepts. And look at Daniel Jones here. This isn't the. It's not a dead pocket, but it's not the cleanest pocket you'll ever see. He's just so decisive in where he wants to go with this football here, and just drives the ball to Slayton. Yeah, Daniel Jones did that the entire game. He's been doing it basically since. What the Dallas game, the last yeah. Dallas game, I mean, Washington game. I mean, that Washington game, he was really good too. So it's a, uh, it's been great to witness, but that's going to set the giants up for another first and 10 where they're going to come out in 21 personnel again, I believe. Yeah. Another one. This is a two by two boundary stack. It's a drive concept. Like you talked about before, we'll see some of these once again, you'll see another thing, common theme that you're going to see throughout the tape as a big part of the game plan. That's Barkley flaring to the flat, which is obviously going to, bring some defenders over there. You can see 54 goes with him and that opens up a little void for them to just hit a quick hitter here to cager. They pick up four and get themselves into second and manageable. 
it's just 11 personnel, but Cager being used out there is something that I guess we, we anticipated that happening, right. but he was out there quite a bit. There were a couple situations where I was like, ah, I think I'd rather see Daniel Bellinger out there than Lauren <laughs> Cager, but, but I get it. And you can see, man, these are just common New York giant passing concepts, switch release up at the top of the screen. And then a stack where you're just going to have basically a drive with one guy running the intermediate dig and the other guy just running a drag route. That's a simple high, low type of situation over the middle of the field. And then you have the flare to remove Eric Kendricks and, like you said, Daniel Jones finds Cager. Yeah, he finds him for, for a nice four-yarder. It sets up this second and six. Once again, 11 personnel look. A lot of 21 and a lot of 11 so far. Not a lot of 12 and 13. I, I thank God for that because I just love the offense looking. It looks so much better to me in 21 and 11. But this is 11, and we're going to see a big run out of 11 personnel here for Saquon Barkley. Why don't you break this one down, Nick? Yeah, this is a pistol run, and the pistol is not something the Giants use too much. At least they haven't this season, but pistol means that Daniel Jones is in the shotgun and Saquon Barkley is behind him. So they just use Lawrence Cager in motion, set him up to the boundary side, and the Giants are going to run a trap concept, right? It's a tag, if you want to call it that, where Mark Lewinsky, you could see him, number 64, is just going to come and then trap Harrison Phillips on the line of scrimmage. And if you look at Big 97, he has no idea what's happening. Nick Gates and Andrew Thomas both avoid him. Gates climbs up to 54, eliminates. Andrew Thomas climbs up to Jordan Hicks, eliminates. Both linebackers are done. And now you have Mark Lewinsky working around John Feliciano and Dalvin Tomlinson to just ear hole Phillips. And you can see he does not anticipate that. And then there's this huge hole for Saquon Barkley to run into the alley against Harrison Smith. The Golden Domer just misses his tackle. Saquon Barkley spins off him and then into Patrick Peterson's arms. This is just another reason why this coaching staff is so good because Bobby Johnson has this offensive line unit working in a manner where you can add these tags and everybody knows their responsibility. And that's going to right. allow these, these linemen to climb up to the second level to eliminate these linebackers. That's going to really stress the secondary and those alley defenders. And there was a rough stretch of this season for Mark Lewinsky. And it wasn't really a great start either, but I feel like over the last month or month and change, let's say, or maybe less, maybe more, He's really gotten, he's really started to play better football and, and been what they were hoping for when they signed him in free agency. And I thought he delivered, a, I know Harrison Phillips is a little off, you know, off, what's it called? Off kilter there, but it's still just a great block on the move by Glowinski and just clears so much of a space there for Barkley. We've been talking about the trap run for quite a while, right? Yeah. That tag, that and the wham, and the Giants have sprung some of their best runs of the season with those tags, so it's really working. Dan, I love this play, man. This is first and 10. Yes. It's a 14-yard touchdown to Isaiah Hodgins, and what I love most about this play is the subtlety in the motion of Richie James. So the Giants are in empty, and at the boundary side, that's where Isaiah Hodgins is. You can see he's the number two receiver. Richie James is outside the numbers, but right before the snap, Jones is going to motion Richie James inward. And what that's going to do is that's going to form basically a stack. So now you have Patrick Peterson, who is not going to be on Richie James. He's going to assume the responsibility of Isaiah Hodgins. And naturally, since Patrick Peterson was outside on Richie James, he's going to basically align himself midpoint on the numbers with Isaiah Hodgins at the top of the numbers. So Isaiah Hodgins now has inside leverage on Patrick Peterson if Harrison Smith does not take him. And Harrison Smith does not take him. Harrison Smith assumes the responsibility of Richie James after the motion. You can see him step down and watch. Look at the route right before Isaiah Hodgins breaks. Where is Patrick Peterson? Patrick Peterson is to the outside. So all the leverage is inside for Isaiah Hodgins. And there's an underneath defender who's paying attention to Richie James. So he just he just kind of turns right out of his break and makes this catch for a touchdown. That little subtlety is big. And that's a really important reason why Isaiah Hodgins was open on this play. Yeah, that's a great breakdown. And I thought what really stood out to me on this one was, yeah, you can knock Andrew Thomas for being a little bit off a false start here. 
Uh, I thought it was close, but I'm sure you can probably you should probably call it here. But just looking at how quickly Isaiah Hodgins wins to this post, we haven't seen it just stood out to me because we just haven't seen a post route type of touch this type of touchdown for the Giants really. And how long, Nick? Like how long has it been since we've seen somebody run like a skinny post like that in the end and in the end zone, the ball's thrown in the end zone. It's just easy pitch and catch. I see this with some other offenses, and now we're finally starting to see it with the Giants offense. You're 100 percent right. It's not something that we see all that often. And like I said, dude, a lot of this is set up because of that little pre-snap movement right. from Richie James, man, just kind of switching the responsibility. You can even see Harrison Smith is back, and now he's going to move up towards the line of scrimmage upon the motion. That prompted a coverage change, which set Isaiah Hodgins up for an easier touchdown against the coverage that was softer. Just excellent, intelligent coaching, man. I love it. Dude, we deserve this as Giant fans. We deserve this Yeah, shit. we really do. Hopefully we can keep it. I know Mike Kafka got his third request for a head coach job today, but Brian Dable also said, which this really made me happy, Nick. He said Mike Kafka and him have agreed that he's not going to take any of those interviews this week, which is freaking huge for a lot of reasons, dude, because I just did not want Mike Kafka going on like three interviews this week as he's trying to game plan for the Eagles. There's just no possible way he could have put his best foot forward while like dry, like flying out to Indy or whatever, you know what I mean? Like preparing for head coach interviews. So I'm really happy. I know in the past some coordinators have actually gone during the playoffs. That probably is not a good sign. But yeah, look at the look at that ball here. Great ball too from Jones. Rips it so confident and puts it right on the spot. And obviously Isaiah Hodgins does the rest. But yeah, man, it's been fun to watch. We've said this about Jones too, man. He has all of these physical traits, right? He can make all the throws. He is big. He is strong. He is powerful. He can run. And now that it's all coming together, it's it's difficult to not get excited about him. And even from a mental standpoint, yeah. we'll see it here in a little bit, Dan. There was a play where it was cover two and the defender ended up squatting and then cutting if the number two receiver ended up going out. And it was a trap coverage, kind of like a Kathy call, yeah. which uh, kind of goes back to like the Saban play calls. And we saw against the Colts, Daniel Jones threw that to Stefan Gilmore and it was yep. knocked down. Isaiah Hodgins took a hit in this game. He noticed it right away and he just ran right up through the B gap, which wasn't even wide open. That's Great development. Point. And that's growth, dude. Great point. We're actually going to see that on this next drive. So I'm glad you brought that up. I'm pretty sure it's this next drive. This next drive is a 20 play drive. It's a long <laughs> drive, dude, like 20 plays. 85 yards, unfortunately, ended in a field goal here. Um, once again, the Giants offense just cooking. This is like the only way to stop them is you hope that they have to end the drive in a field goal. It starts out of 11 personnel here. They're just going to throw a little boundary flare here out to Barkley. You knew this was going to happen at some point in this game. Barkley makes a good move and actually gets, I believe, who was that? That was Hicks onto the ground. But there's just not enough space. If he had a little bit more space between the side, and I think he tight ropes that, gets back upfield and gets like eight. But instead, he gets three yards. He gets three yards here. Just a solid play to set up a second and seven where the Giants are going to come out in 21 personnel once again. This is going to end up being an incomplete pass against a cover six look. Yeah, this one's incomplete against cover six here. You, you know, you can if we're going to nitpick, you can hope that he sees Bellinger chipping and releasing open in the flat here and picks that mm -hmm. up. But it's not going to happen every time you're going to see some misses. And obviously, there's some pressure around the edge here as well. Um against Evan Neal here. So he's got that bearing down on him as well. It would have been nice though, because Daniel Bellinger, I think yes. at this time, you know, it's a cover six look and 20 is kind of sinking to depth. So you have a lot of depth, right? And Bellinger ends up being kind of wide open here, but Jones just kind of took, took his eyes off. And I think he felt the pressure, but it sets up a third and seven after this incomplete pass. And these are downs where Daniel Jones has just been highly efficient for the majority of the season. 
highly efficient here. 11 personnel again. Remember, most of what we've seen so far has been 11 or 21 personnel. You're going to get two by two boundary stack here. And man, I just love the job here that Isaiah Hodgins does. This is like the little things. Uh, like I said, someone co comped him to late career Monty Toomer. And I kind of feel that way. It's his it's his footwork here. It's his ability to understand space. It's the wasted, it's the little wasted movement he has when he kind of just like uses that left foot to pivot and then kind of turn. That's all he really does. And then you'll see a lot of receivers after they make this catch, Nick, either make the decision to turn their body back left to get upfield or turn their body back right to get upfield. He's fully aware of where he's at at this point and where the sticks are and knows that instead the best option is to kind of just fall, like use his body and get vertical in any the best way he can it's exactly what he does and that's the difference in a first down here this is a special play to me by a receiver all and through and through i know it seems like oh you're calling a, a little eight yard pass is a special play but when you consider all the factors i just broke down i really do feel that way i think it encapsulates who isaiah hodgins is right he might not be the fastest he is pretty damn big and he is pretty damn strong but i feel like his most underrated trait is his intelligence. He is so intelligent, dude. He really embodies smart, tough, and dependable to the T. He yeah. is the perfect mid-season addition during a bye week, and he is having such a huge impact. This guy just went off for over 100 yards in a playoff game, and he has not been here all that long. It really speaks to right. Isaiah Hodgins' acumen in the system and just his overall skill set. This is such a smart route. He knows exactly where to sit. He sees the defender and inside leverage. He knows he has 20 who could be driving down on him. So he just sits right at the numbers and then look, watch how he even like turns his body to the ball. He's creating a shield. So 20 can't play through the catch point. And then, right. like you said, he falls through just such a smart dude, bro. He really is. I like that point you made about him creating that shield with his body too. That was another thing he did well on that play. Those are all things that are just like clicking fast for him in his head. And you know, it's not like it's there. It's all there for him already. He understands it all on any given play. But anyway, it sets up a first and 10. You're on a little zone read here. And I will say this, they dug themselves out of this one, but the Dines had a lot more success on the possessions where they did throw on the first down, but here they run little zone read three yard game. Yeah. And maybe Daniel Jones could have kept it, but he hands the football off, get three yards, set up a second yeah. and seven. And here on the second and seven, again, out of 11 personnel, that's now four of the first five plays on this drive out of 11 personnel. This is a play. This is kind of the one I was talking about earlier, right? Like you're going to see a cover one look man coverage from the Vikings. That means one safety middle of the field closed man coverage responsibilities. And Jones just recognizes this fast and understands with the route concepts that the Giants are running. There is going to be a middle. The opening of the field is sorry. The middle of the field is going to come open. I can run this and I can turn this into a positive gain immediately. And that's exactly what he does here. I've seen so many plays over the past three years of Daniel Jones before the Brian Dable era, where it would kind of look like this, where there was really wasn't much open in the, in the route combination. Like, yeah, you can say, Oh, we could throw to Barkley here. Maybe whatever. That's not a huge opening. But other than that, like everything's pretty well covered here by the point of where this pocket's starting to break down a little bit. And he just understands so quickly that he can take off, take use the space to his advantage and run for this first down. Absolutely. And I love this play from a design standpoint because this is a tight end leak play. Look at Lawrence Cager on the line right. of scrimmage. He's on the line of scrimmage, traditional Y. He's going to run the dragon up. And this is an offsides by Zadarius Smith. Daniel Jones could have possibly take the shot, but he still was like, no, I confirm man coverage. I know I can pick up a big chunk of yards with my legs. And that's exactly what Daniel Jones did here. He picks up 11 or what did he pick up on this? Play? 14. 
14 yards on this play. And if you look at it from the end zone angle, you can see John Feliciano just pancake somebody trying to lean back and make a play on Daniel Jones. You love that type of toughness. I felt like Feliciano actually had a pretty good game. Yeah, he had a good game. Yeah. Watch how uh, he tries to, and then he just buries him into the ground. And look, Jordan Hicks, he's a linebacker, but Daniel Jones, dude, he's going to outrun you if you're a linebacker. He outruns a lot of defensive backs, and I just also love how he got down, man. Don't take hits, Daniel Jones, please. Just, well, just he took a lot of hits in this game, so I don't want to praise him too much for getting down. There are some brutal ones he's going to take, which luckily it didn't matter. That Man, the fourth and one sneak late in the game, dude, I was a fucking rip to his neck. I'm surprised that... Maybe we see that pop up this week. I hope not. But yeah, I think part of it is his ability to outrun those linebackers. Part of it is his lateral agility on those runs. Like he just understands the angles really well. He's one of those runners, like a JK Dobbins type. I'm not comparing him, but in the sense that he can understand the where to make the cuts to beat the angles. I feel like it's not just raw speed. It's a lot of the, that awareness here, but we'll see this uh, first and 10 right after. And right away, like I said, yesterday, the giants ran D Daniel Jones had 17 rushing attempts in this game. It was the most by any quarterback in a postseason game which I found out today, which is an astounding stat. And I think it will continue against the Eagles. I think it's all, you know, balls to the wall. It's the playoff, let everything out of the bag here. And there were a lot of design runs and just regular and scramble runs for Jones this game. This is one of the design runs at 11 personnel. It's a quarterback power here. Um, it's only a three yard gain here, but it's something that I like that they called. Yeah, I appreciate it too. You could see the backside guard and tackle GT quarterback counter ends up running this football and watch how Evan Neal, the point of contact, how much power he has, right? Like he gets around the kickout block, which is played well by Minnesota and kind of spills everything to the outside. But Evan Neal has a lot of power. When he can kind of square you up, watch how he just kind of throws Jordan Hicks aside. I get it, the linebacker, but I do appreciate kind of the raw power that Evan Neal shows, but still only a three-yard gain again, though. Don't want to praise Daniel Jones for, for um, taking a lot of hits, but here he got down a little bit early to prevent a bigger hit from Harrison Smith. Yes, exactly, and... Well, luckily, he didn't take a massive one there. So now it sets up a second and seven situation here. And they're actually going to go back. And they're still in 11 personnel here. That's now every play but one where they were in 21 here. Um, and they're going. This is actually the play that you referenced before, Nick, mm -hmm. just before this breakdown. So why don't you take over and break this one down? Yeah, if you're looking at the, the Vikings defense, you can see a too high shell, it appears like, right? And it looks like it could be cover six because if you're looking at the cornerback at the top of the screen, he looks like he could be bailing, but he's going to kind of sink down towards the line of scrimmage and it's going to look like a cover two look from this defense. And if you watch the safety at the top of the screen, he's bailing quick outside the numbers because that cornerback is reading number two. And what I mean by number two, that is Richie James, who is aligned in the slot because the Giants have run a lot of these concepts where the number two just runs an out route against a defender who is an inside leverage into the voided area outside the numbers and Jones would oblige and throw the football. Well, this is kind of a trap type of coverage where that cornerback wants Daniel Jones to throw that out route because he is going to come off of Darius Slayton at the top of the screen and then just nail Richie James or possibly come away with an interception. Right. And then that safety yeah. at the top of the screen will assume Darius Slayton. Darius Slayton briefly will be in the honey hole. But Jones, who threw this ball recently against Stefan Gilmore when they played the Colts, realized it right away and just used his legs. And I just feel like that's growth. And I love that little pump fake right there. But you can see Jones from the end zone angle, Dan. Watch how his eyes flash over and he sees that cornerback trying to bait him a little bit. He doesn't take the bait. That's growth. Absolutely love it because he thinks about it right here. Watch yes. how he turns his shoulders. He steps into it and he looks like he's going to throw. But he read that cornerback all in that one moment said, oh, crap. All right. I'm just going to run the football. And it wasn't like it was a huge B gap like we've seen in right. previous runs. So this is just development right here. 
I love that, man. And we're going to go over a few more plays like that where he flips, where he checks, you know, one side of the field, quickly comes to the next one, things of that nature. And that's just, those are really good signs from a development standpoint, regardless of what, where we're at in the season here. And I love that because, you know, you throw that ball here and that might be intercepted. It might be a situation where at best, Richie James takes like a massive hit that you just don't want any of those things happening, right? You you want you're you're better off. And and again, Daniel Jones ends up taking a decent hit on this, so it's not ideal perfectly. I'd love to see him slide a little earlier here, but it's Daniel Jones. He doesn't love to slide. So Yeah, exactly. But another thing too, man, like a lot of people will be like, well, why didn't he take the shot to Darius Slayton? I think that's a fair point to bring up. But if you really look at that safety, that safety is hauling ass to get outside. Yeah, the I don't love it, Yeah, I'm with you. With the pressure that Jones is under because Evan Neal mm-hmm. loses high side, which is kind of an issue. I'm I'm okay with him being conservative here and just using his hundred percent. I agree with you entirely there. Um, same page there. Third and two situation here. Again, 11 personnel. It's been every play but one on this. And you're going to see an eight-yard run by Daniel Jones here. Look, if you're watching the play on the YouTube, it, it's, it's obvious that Daniel Jones, you can see that Isaiah Hodges was wide open for an easy solution first down if he wanted it. But it's good to know that even because every quarterback is going to miss some reads. And it's good to know that even when this quarterback does miss a read or two here or there, he still has the option to get the first down with his legs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with Win Rewards on WinBet. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports from the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sports, WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100, win $100. Download Bet Win. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Be on the lookout for the WinBet Win Hour each Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. During WinBet Win Hour, marquee games of the week will have better odds on WinBet, giving you a larger payout opportunity. 
Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where play through WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700. I was running low on some groceries, so naturally, I went to a store that sells said groceries to look for my refreshments. There I was in the beverage aisle, and I saw these tall boys of what I originally thought was beer, but it was actually in the bottled water section, and it was mountain spring water from the Alps, and it was called Liquid Death. And I thought to myself, do I want to try this beverage that is named Liquid Death because I hear it brutally murders your thirst, and their recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. And they also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Those are some pretty cool causes. So I bought myself some liquid death and I enjoyed it. I was parched and then I drank it. So I was not. So if you want to try some of this liquid death, go get liquid death at your local Whole Foods Market, Target, and Stop and Shop stores, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash bigblue. That's liquiddeath.com slash bigblue. Yeah, Daniel Jones does that so consistently. But once you motion Richie James from the bunch to the mirrored stack, so you have mirrored stack. What I mean by mirrored is both sides of the offensive formation have the same type of stack. Two guys... And they're both reduced. You can see that, right? It's the same exact look on both sides of the formation. You know, you're going to have a numbers advantage if 24, that safety doesn't drop down into the box. And he doesn't, he stays at depth, which is something Ed Donatel did this entire time. And with Saquon Barkley running a wheel route to the boundary side, Eric Kendricks goes that way. Nobody takes Isaiah Hodgins. So that's kind of a missed opportunity right there. But as you said, Daniel Jones, he has the athletic ability. If he doesn't see, if he doesn't see things or read things, 100% properly on a given play, he can still do this. This is a third down play where he ends up picking up 10 yards with his legs. Right. And that's the good news there too. And you got to love the play design there to get Hodgins open. And you got to love the quarterback's ability to still run if he misses a read there. But that sets up a first and 10 here. Another 11 personnel play. It's going to be stretch zone here. That's not like, again, we see a ton of different concepts in the run game. It's kind of fun. Um, this is only ultimately a four yard gain, but it's not bad. It sets up a second and six. Yeah, this is just a little zone play to the boundary. It's a weak side. They're running to the open side, if you want to call it that. When I say open side, that just means the weak side, essentially. When close side means the strong side. And you can see Lawrence Cager. He's on the left. The Giants are going to run to the right. And there's a lot of Giants blockers there, but I felt like the Vikings did a solid job kind of working through the traffic. And you see 91 just kind of throw Cager to the side as Cager works up to the second level right. and help out in backside pursuit. Wasn't a ton of rushing room, but Giants pick up a few. Sets up a second and six here, and Jones is going to... This is back to 21 here, back to that pony personnel look. Um, we're going to see a quarters look from the defense here, so obviously the Giants counter it with I thought was a really good counter here. Get the ball out to the flat fast here. You've got two stock blockers ahead of Barkley, and that's you know a good situation for the Giants. Anytime you can get the ball to Barkley in these spots, and he picks up, what, I believe seven on this to get another first down? And I think this could have been flagged too, because this wasn't a OPI. Uh it just Daniel Bellinger is engaging in this block pretty early. Like it was a design okay, right. pass to Saquon Barkley the entire time. The Giants read the leverage, saw two safeties high, saw that Daniel Bellinger was outside of that linebacker 
and Saquon Barkley is going to have an easy path to the flat. And then all Daniel Bellinger has to do is get in the way of that linebacker. And now once Daniel, once Saquon Barkley catches the football, look how much space he has until there's any kind of purple Jersey anywhere near him. Exactly. Yep. So, so either way though, we'll take it. I mean, look, the calls went both ways. They're going to miss some here for us too, but it sets up a first and 10 here. Um, this is a play here where Jones got sacked here. And I thought you did it. You made a good point in, in your notes here. Cause this is what a fast, fast three here. They've got Barkley on the stack and they've got Brita in motion here. They're trying to run what, like a double post concept here, deep, deep route concept here. And it's just not there. The pocket breaks down. But in the past, the Giants, when they were in this situation, would just kind of get into a mode where they're behind the sticks and they'd have to punt. And they were able to dig themselves out of this. So we'll talk about that in a bit. But anything else on this this play with kind of what went wrong? It's the same play that we broke down just a little bit ago when you have Saquon Barkley as the number two receiver in the stack to the boundary. Only you're using Brita as the fast three double post to the field side. And again, you're going to get some sort of zone coverage and it looks like everybody's covered up. Jones tries to step up, but the protection kind of breaks down, even though it wasn't terrible protection, but sack for Daniel Jones. And that sets up a second and 12. And here's the Giants are are kind of able to do a good job of getting, getting out of this second and long situation. 11 personnel, two by two set. And you're going to see on this one, Jones is going to run this one for 10 yards around the edge here. Um, I just love watching Jones now in these situations when he's moving to the right. He's just look how patient he is with that. Like he's, he understands the space he has after he gets out of the pocket because the defensive end tried to spin back inside. And so he knows here, like he doesn't have to just run immediately and get to a spot. He can kind of roll, stay behind the line of scrimmage. And if something opens up in the passing, if a passing lane opens up, he's going to make that throw instead. Um, But ultimately he takes the, I believe 10 yards to set up a third and two. Yeah. Daniel Jones really understands where he is on the football field. There's really no panic, and that's not something that we saw from Daniel Jones a little bit earlier in his career, right? Sometimes we'd be like, man, he's like a deer in the headlights. People would say stuff like that about him, but you can see right here, he he could easily just haul ass right now and be like, I'm going to try to get as many yardage as I can. He's keeping his eyes downfield to see if any of his receivers are going to come open. That's a lot of trust he's showing in his wide receivers, a lot of confidence in his wide receivers. Look, even like he's elongating his path to stay behind the line of scrimmage before he fully commits to running because he thinks he can hit Richie James or Isaiah Hodgins, or those guys would come open, but they really didn't on this play. But that just shows a lot of faith in in his teammates, man. And that's just one of the uh, many storylines, I think, about this New York Giants team. This team plays very together. For sure. Sets up a third and two. First 13 personnel look of the game for the Giants, something they leaned on earlier in the season. And I freaking love this play call, Nick. Just look at the pre-snap motion. Look at the where Barkley and Brita end up on this play after the motion or not Barkley, sorry, Richie James and Brita end up on this play. And then it's all moving left, all but while the play is designed to go right here on just like a simple zone read play where Jones makes the correct decision to to keep it, but then has those lead blockers ahead of him. This was a great cutback by Jones. I love how he set up the blocks to then cut back. Almost broke off an even bigger one here. You can see on the cutback, but uh, good play by the Vikings to stop it for being an even bigger gain. It was a 12-yard gain, though. 12-yard gain. This is 11 personnel, but... I really appreciate how Daniel Bellinger avoids Zadarius Smith when Zadarius Smith goes to cut him. 
right at this moment if you're watching on YouTube. Watch how he just whiffs him. He lays him, man, like a matador. And Zedaria Smith is just laying there on the ground. And then Bellinger has the wherewithal to throw the block on 20 to kick him out, which prompts Daniel Jones to cut back inside of Isaiah Hodgins, who's also throwing a very good block. 24 right. makes a good play on Daniel Jones. But that's smart running from Daniel Jones and really excellent play side blocking once again. And I think Isaiah Hodgins, man, we praise this guy for his intelligence, his toughness, his soft hands, his size, his strength. The kid can block too, man. He blocks his ass off. There's no wonder how this kid is earning so many snaps on this team, despite the fact that he has not been here all that long, dude. This is really a diamond in the rough. I said that on yesterday's podcast, and I mean it. I really think the Giants found a true football player who could be here for quite a while, man. This isn't a yeah, blip on the they, radar. Right? They really hit home run with Hodgins. It's kind of crazy <laughs> and just to see this whole thing play out the way it has been. But that'll set up a first and 10 for the Giants, digging themselves out of that third and two, originally digging themselves out of second and 12. They're going to run a little play at jet motion with play action, the quarterback on, on like a boundary run. We've seen this a lot from Kafka. Like he'll run two design quarterback runs in a row or two similar plays in a row. This time the Vikings uh, play it really well. And it's a, a loss of two yards on the play. One of the rare yeah. negative plays for the Giants. Yeah, this is the 13 personnel with Lawrence Cager in motion. And you can see Nick Vanette and, and Daniel Bellinger in two-point stance over there to the boundary with Darius Slayton. And this play just didn't really work out. Darius Slayton blocking Zadarius Smith is not something that you necessarily want to see. Darius Slayton's a good blocker, Dan, but <laughs> that is a tough assignment. It's a tough assignment, yeah, exactly. And it's an interesting play call because it does make him, it puts him in the position where he has to make that block. But, you know, sometimes I'm sure they've designed it where they can get that to, to go their way at times. So sets up a second and 12 here, though. 21 personnel again here with both the backs on the field. Um, you're going to get a boundary stack. This is a cover six look by the Vikings here. And what are you going to get? Little eight yard connection to Isaiah Hodgins on the out. Really nice catch, I thought, because this has a full extension here by Hodgins. It's a good throw too, because it gets there with good zip and velocity. But I love the catch here. Full extension from Hodgins. Great hands here. Hands catcher. Um, and you're just going to see a nice eight yard gain to set up a third and manageable. It's a beautiful throw from Daniel Jones. And this is a weird formation, right? Because it's actually 12 personnel. I, I put 21, but it's 12 personnel. And you can see both the tight ends. They're not really next to Andrew Thomas. They're both on the line of scrimmage. Well, one of them is off the line of scrimmage, but they both have their hands in the dirt, right? And that's kind of a weird looking formation, but watch their releases. They're going to have Lawrence Cager, who's the inside tight end on the line of scrimmage, release vertical. And then Daniel Bellinger is just going to stack directly behind him. I like that concept right there because Daniel Bellinger is just going to basically run that quick little spot. And maybe if that linebacker paid a little bit more attention to Lawrence Cager, that would have been a little bit more open. And then Cager is going to run the corner route and Cager's route might have been open. I don't know. Patrick Peterson might've sunk, but then you have a two versus one against Patrick Peterson. I just like the concept that Kafka employed here. But this is an amazing throw by Daniel Jones from the far hash, puts a lot of drive on it, and just a great catch from Isaiah Hodgins to pluck it out of the air. Another really fantastic play from 18. And if you flip it to the end zone angle, if you want to just see some good offensive line play, focus on Ben Bredesen here, who was in this for this series. He split series with Gates in this. This is a fantastic pass rep. Like, watch him mm -hmm. anchor down there, and just there's nowhere to go once he anchors down. He anchors down, and watch how he goes to punch and... Harrison Phillips does an excellent job kind of catching his hand, but then Bredesen just kind of brings it right underneath and then right on the top of the numbers. And then he I think he's going to be a player, Nick, that by this point next season, or maybe even earlier, like by the bye week next season, we're going to be like, this dude made a huge jump. That's just how I feel about Bredesen. And that's not I to knock Nick Gates. Kind of, man. What'd you say? 
I think he kind of already did make a pretty big jump. Like he is much more consistent and it, it hasn't been like he's perfect or anything like that, but I feel like right. he's a better football player right now than he was last year. And that's not, shouldn't be a surprise because Bobby Johnson is here. This offensive line is playing a lot better than the mess that it was last year. He has better players next to him, but he's been pretty solid bro all year. Yeah, I like him. I like his game a lot, and I think we'll see it mo even more next year. Maybe he takes even another jump. I do agree he's already taken a jump because he's so much better mm -hmm. than he was last year, but we'll see. So then we have the touchdown that was negated by a penalty um, where, yeah, if you run it back, you can see it should have been called. There were two guys in motion. Um, it, it, Bellinger just maybe a second too early to go in motion here, but that'll set up. Oh, I'm sorry. First, we had the third down conversion. I, I got a little ahead of myself, and you're going to see on this third down conversion, it's a switch release, 11 personnel. Uh, Jones does a good job of, look, this is a nice quick game concept. You have Barkley moving to the flat that takes the linebacker out of that passing lane. So just rip that thing right in there to Slayton. And it was a good pitch and catch. Yeah. Three by one set to Slayton is that lone receiver at the top of the numbers and watch how he angles outward. He's at the top of the screen. If you're watching on YouTube angles outward, turns his hips, turns his shoulders, hard head fake, and then pivot right back inside. And Patrick Peterson doesn't play it terribly. He's kind of all over Darius Slayton, stumbles a little bit, but Jones just put it right where it needed to be at the perfect time. And Darius Slayton secured it through the contact to convert a pretty important third and four. Now, the Giants ended up kicking a field goal anyway, so ultimately it wasn't all that important. But at the time, it seemed like it was very important. As you said, look at Saquon Barkley, removing the linebacker, creating that throwing window. And then at the bottom of the screen, you have the switch release with Lawrence Cager as the number three, kind of just running over the middle of the field, occupying a bunch of Vikings defenders. And I love that part of the play too, right? Because you have so many, so much going on on the left, on the left side of the screen or the bottom of the screen. If you're watching on YouTube, that a simple concept, like just like this, you know, slant or what is this? It's not even a slant, just like this simple curl type play. What is this route by? It's like a pivot. It's like a pivot, I guess, like a whip route by Slayton almost. Yeah. You can call it a, yeah. you can call it a, a whip route. Yeah. Sure. So this simple wimp flat concept here, when you have that many defenders focused on the other side of the field, it's probably going to work. Like there's probably safety's not going to have time to come down and make a play on this. Like it seems pretty simple to me when I watch it like this and yet it works and it's effective. It works and it's effective. And there's a lot going on too. Cause you have 83 who's coming across the middle of the right. field and he decides to go inside of Eric Hendricks. And now he's going to run towards the safety and you have 24 working over the top of him. And it looks like that safety Harrison Smith is paying attention more so to the left side of the field where Darius Slayton is, but he's staying in the end zone. He doesn't drive down or anything like that. So that throwing lane is there for Daniel Jones. If he wants it, even though it's a little bit contested with Patrick Peterson there, but Jones obliges and takes it. Exactly. And so now we're going to see the first uh, right after that was the penalty, um, the touchdown that got called back on the Jones keeper. And so here comes, you know, backed up a little bit on first and goal, 21 personnel, the Giants run a Statue of Liberty play with Barkley coming in orbit motion pre-snap like this. All eyes should really be on Barkley here. I was, I felt like this play could have worked a little bit better execution wise, I guess. Cause just like, we haven't used this play at all. And it was like perfectly executed by Jones. Like just watching the quarterback there was the most phenomenal part of the play to me. He transfers the ball from one hand to the other and him and Brita just like perfectly executed, just well played by the Vikings regardless though here. Um, they were able to make the stop. Yeah. I didn't feel like the Vikings fell too much for the orbit motion, but this I guess is that's what it is. You can see is that 58. He doesn't really go with Barkley. Yeah, Hicks Hicks typically, at least in the first matchup, he was pretty disciplined. In this one, it seemed like he was hit or miss with it, but he doesn't really fall for it. But this is just a creative play. And Daniel Jones, man, like this is an underrated skill that he's executing right there. To be able to hand this football off right. like that and just have kind of the ball skills pause to do this to Matt Breida, I really feel like it's uh 
it's uh, underappreciated or just like you kind of take it for granted. Maybe it's probably a better way to define it and describe it. But another crazy run out of 21 personnel, dude, like the Giants really got creative with their rushing attack in that personnel package. It was a super creative game plan all around. Sets up a second and goal here. 11 personnel again. We're going to try to run something they ran with success earlier in the red zone against the Washington football team um, with the route com concept from Hodgins here. But he's just not able to get out of his break fast enough on this one to create enough separation and ends up going incomplete. But there's a ton of space here to that side of the field. So I understand why they ran this play. Absolutely. And you could see Isaiah Hodgins split, right? He is in a plus split outside the numbers by about maybe a yard, two yards or so. And he's going to angle inside. And then what is he going to do? He's going to pivot right back out. And you can see he kind of stumbles out of that break. Maybe not stumbles, but it's just not that smooth. Probably because his ankle is the size of a basketball. But I was wondering, is this like a bad throw by Jones? Because if you watch really slowly and it's difficult to see it on the all 22, it goes yeah. through a Hodgins hand. And this is from a far hash. He puts good velocity on this football and it's in a catchable spot. And I'm wondering if Hodgins was a little bit more clean and getting out of this break, if this would have been another touchdown for the young man. I think it would have been. I think that impacted the timing of the entire play. Uh, maybe Jones is throwing to a spot where he expected Hodgins to be if he gets out of his break cleanly, but it's going to happen sometimes. I think Hodgins beats him too. I just think he couldn't yeah. get out of his break fully clean. And I don't think that's an indictment on him. I just think it's because he has that ankle injury. Because watch, 20 flips his hips completely. And once Hodgins kind of right. comes out of the break, if he doesn't stumble, that cornerback is now like behind his trail. Yeah, he's in trail position yeah. at that point. Yeah. Exactly. So and Jones puts it, I would say, you know, in a solid position, overall position, but just wasn't completed. And that sets up a third and six here. Um Again, they're going empty here on third and six. This is a great, you know, if you want to look at one play that maybe didn't go in the Giants direction, but also shows just how far along Daniel Jones's growth in the offense. And more importantly, Brian Dable and Mike Kafka's confidence in where Daniel Jones is at in the offense. He's going with empty 11 personnel in the red zone here. Like that is a lot of confidence in your quarterback. It's a ton of confidence. And I understand the route concept too. It's a three by two, like you said, empty. And you have Lawrence Cager kind of just outside of Isaiah Hodgins and the giants are going to run Isaiah Hodgins vertical. And they wanted him to clear out Eric Kendricks, who is the linebacker between the hashes, but Eric Kendricks stays disciplined. You can see Kendricks is reading through Hodgins to Lawrence Cager. And he doesn't really bite on the fact that Lawrence Cager is going to be, or that Isaiah Hodgins is breaking on the post. He just passes him off to the safety and then sits on the slant route. And even despite that, Dan, Right. Daniel Jones put this into a really catchable spot for Lawrence Cager. If you look at it from the end zone angle, it's right in his hands. And it's inside like this is deliberate from Daniel Jones to put this away from Eric Hendricks in tight coverage. And that's a very that's catchable a nice ball. ball. I like that. Yeah. On the outside shoulder. But Lawrence Cager is you now a young player. He just doesn't really yeah. secure it. That could have easily have been a touchdown, despite the fact that the Vikings played it very well. Or at worst, like he throws that, like you said, away from the defender to the back shoulder. That's basically like some people may be like, oh, that's off target. No, no, that's perfectly. That's where you want to throw the ball away from the defender. But in worst case, he tackles him. He gets down to the one. I think Dable goes for it. So, yeah, and gets it by the way, and gets it because we were not a Tyler, like, not a Tyler Huntley situation. No, Daniel Jones is not Tyler Huntley. He's not like he, he's like, I don't even think Daniel Jones will reach it. I think he's just going to manpower his six foot four, 240 pound body through the line. Like he did on that other sneak. We're going to see later in this game. Where he just takes an absurd shot to the neck, which sucked, but I guess he's fine. I don't so, know how I would never be fine if that happened to me, but he's a, that's why he's a professional football player. On this play, though, in my notes, I wrote, this is one of the plays I would have rather have seen Daniel Bellinger than Lawrence Cager. Okay. Because yeah, I, I want to see, yeah, I want to see Lawrence Cager, who's, you know, more of a receiver than Daniel Bellinger, I think it's safe to say. But I would like to see Lawrence Cager 
not as much when you're that tight up. Because I do think even though even though Lawrence Cager is more of a receiver, I think Daniel Bellinger has softer hands and he might be a little bit more reliable as a catcher. And Daniel Bellinger is a better feel for where to sit in the zone too. Not that Cager did a bad yes. job on that or anything, but he's better spatial awareness as well. I completely agree. Cager is better for like running mash and or running like if you want to run like mm-hmm. a vertical route like they did with him early in his in his time with the Giants earlier this season. But yeah, in the red zone, I'm, I'm with you 100%. And then okay. we have this little drive, Dan, right before the end of the half that we'll yeah. go over briefly. There wasn't much time here. So the Giants really didn't want to get too like they had to. I thought they played it pretty smart. Like they didn't want to like rush into anything here and give the Vikings the ball back like the 40 with a ton of time. So we'll roll through these plays here. The first one was 11 personnel, uh, two by two set. They're just trying to hit a quicker, quick one to Slayton here. And the Vikings did a good job playing it. Yeah, you can see how the Vikings are playing this boundary stacks. We've been talking about boundary stacks so much recently, Dan, and this is just another boundary stack. Jordan Hicks knows that someone is going to be running out. He's just reading Daniel Jones's eyes, puts it in a catchable spot to Darius Slayton, but it's dropped in very, very tight coverage. Luckily, he didn't take a huge hit because he actually got dinged up on this play, but came yep. back shortly after. Yeah, I was a little nervous about that too, um, but didn't, didn't, didn't affect them too much. Second and 10 situation here. They're going to run like an inside stem here, try to hit Richie James. They're able to get him for three, um, but the Vikings play this pretty well, and there's no yak. Yeah, Patrick Peterson's right there to corral Richie James. There's another little pivot route outside, and really nice open field tackle from seven. Third and seven, they're actually going to invert it. little chip and release by Bellinger. This time, Daniel Jones does come to Bellinger after the chip and release. Eight yards first down, but by that point, they had run out of, you know, they were in a position where like, all right, we didn't give the ball back to the Vikings. That was option number one with a short field to get three. So let's just kneel this bad boy out. Yeah, just kneel it. You have the lead and it was 40 seconds when the Giants started with the with the ball. So there's no reason to really force it. Yep. Coming out of halftime, Giants deferred. So they got the ball at a half. What do they do, man? A six play, 75 yard touchdown drive, dude. This was relentless. This offense was simply relentless in this game. We saw really the only times they got stopped were one in the red zone when they had that double motion penalty. Fine. That took seven points off the board, gave him three. And then the two plays I talked about, the bat at the line of scrimmage, wide open Richie James, which we'll see later. And then the Slayton drop. I mean, this offense was just phenomenal in this game, but this was not a phenomenal play here. They came out 21 personnel here. Um, little three yard stretch run, uh, sorry, three yard loss on the stretch run to Barkley giants had a lot more success in this game when they threw on first down rather than run. Um, but this was a three yard loss. Yeah. It's a little split flow action. You could see how Daniel Bellinger is trying to take out the end man on the line of scrimmage, but Dalvin Tomlinson, I mean, this is a difficult block for Evan Neal. Evan Neal, who is the tackle has to get across the face of the three technique, who is Dalvin Tomlinson, very hard to do. And That's Dalvin Tomlinson, yeah, Dalvin Tomlinson minus three yards, but Tomlinson you know, him into the tackle. Yeah, Saquon Barkley gets you back, though, buddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're going to get a second and 13 here again. All you know, Back in the day, this Giants offense in second and 13, the drive was over. We were, as fans, expecting a punt, and, and we would get punt a lot. But we're going to see here, they're going to motion Bellinger. This is a 12 personnel look, and I just love this play here. You're going to see, once again, Barkley flaring to the field side. What does that do? It gets the out the defender. He has to start to move laterally towards Barkley. What are you going to do? Leave Barkley open in the flat? You can't do that. That's the thing. And so that just allows Hodgins to find that little soft spot, flip his hips around. It's, this is something he just does such a good job of, I think, Hodgins. Now Jones is so well aware of it, and they're so in tune. It's just finding the soft spot in the zone here and just turning your body toward where the opening is. And look at this, 10 yards, digs them right out of it and gets them in a third and three instead of what, a third and long situation? Yep. Simple stick concept against a cover two defense. It's not man. So the linebacker doesn't match Barkley into the flat, but instead number 20 has to expand 
outside laterally. And you can see 20, he's going to expand towards the bottom of the numbers. And that gives even more space for Isaiah Hodgins and his Dorn Hicks, who was in the middle of the hashes with Isaiah Hodgins outside the hashes. And look at the confidence in Daniel Jones to know exactly where Isaiah Hodgins is going to be. He's rearing back and he's deciding to throw this football right as Isaiah Hodgins is turning, puts it right there. And he also puts it away away from the coverage too. If you, if we see this on the end zone angle, Dan, you could see this is on the outside shoulder upfield. And that is just even a step away from Jordan Hicks, which is still smart, man. Like Daniel Jones is, I don't know if we talk enough about his accuracy, dude. Yeah. His accuracy has been on point this whole season, really in a lot of these spots. And like you said, I mean, it, it, it shows up in the advanced sets too. the off target percentage is great. Things of that things, of that nature, but you're right, man. I just, I love the, these types of throws, like, a, he throws it before rearing before Hodgins makes his turn body turn and then puts it away from the defender. It's great stuff. Sets up a third and three here. Giants need to convert this to keep the drive alive. They're in a three by one set out of 11 personnel. This is one of my favorite plays of the game from Mike Kafka from a play calling standpoint. You talked about this in the preview or I'm sorry, in the preamble a little bit. Um, you can just see Barkley come through the middle and get him lined up one on one against the linebacker who's already having to fight over. The, tr the trash that's coming over him around the middle of the field here. So you already have him in conflict from that alone. And then you have him one-on-one -on -one against the linebacker anyway, which is probably a win for Barkley. And just look at the space that's created by this route combination from Mike Kafka. This is so easy and not just so easy. It results in a chunk play here. This is a 20, what, four-yard gain from Saquon Barkley? Yeah, 24-yard gain. I did a breakdown, actually. I think it's on the YouTube channel of this play specifically. It's only two minutes long, so I could fit it on Twitter. But pay attention to Harrison Smith, man. Harrison Smith, you have this too high defense. He's looking to match Saquon Barkley out to the flat, to the boundary side, the side that Saquon Barkley is aligned on. You can see how he steps down. That's exactly what's going to happen. Seven is going to take Isaiah Hodgins, and then Harrison Smith would match Saquon Barkley. But instead of throwing him out to the flat, like we saw so much of the first half, Kafka adjusts and runs him through the line of scrimmage, which is going to isolate him against the linebacker, Jordan Hicks, who goes to make this push call. And you could see him push. Hey, someone cover Barkley if he goes that way. But unfortunately, it's a three by one set. And you have Richie James and Daniel Bellinger running slants, and they're engaged by Eric Kendricks and that cornerback, that apex defender outside. So it's going to take him a little bit to push outside. That's exactly what happened. Saquon Barkley is breaking into space right. before anybody even accounts for him. This is excellent scheming, and it's not even that difficult. You catch a defense in man coverage, create traffic, get one of your playmakers in space, and the Vikings aren't in a position to account for Saquon Barkley once he releases into the flat in that direction. Again, knowing the principles, knowing the rules of your opponent's defense, and then exploiting him. That's my Kafka, baby. And it's awesome to watch when it goes like that for 24. And right away, right after that play, the Giants hit another massive play here. This is from a first and 10 situation here. 11 personnel, mirrored stacks, and you're going to see some great stuff here from two players on this. One, Daniel Jones. Two, Isaiah Hodgins. So first of all, I just love what Jones does on here. He looks to his left where he wants, where the predetermined pre-snap read is. It's not there. And he fast, he comes off the shit so fast and then starts climbing the pocket. What happens when you climb the pocket? Good things when you're a quarterback like Jones who has a threat to run on any play. So he's already eliminated the first half of the field where his pre-snap read was, and it wasn't there. And if he tried to throw there, it was going to be in trouble. 
Now he's moving forward. Now he's forcing the defenders to account for him as a runner, but also putting them in conflict. And then just watch the person who ends up making this catch, Isaiah Hodgins. Watch that little fake he does. He knows that the corner has a feel for where he's at. So he jumps back toward the inside, knowing he's going to pop back toward the outside where Jones is going to find him and then give him a ton of space to run after the catch. Isaiah Hodgins posted something after the game on Instagram where he was like, don't uh, make fun of how slow I was running out there. Look at my ankle. And it's like ballooned up purple. And I think if he's 100% healthy, he might be able to house this. Yeah, he very well probably would have housed this. It's difficult to say, but he's he's not as slow as might he might look on this play. But you're right, man. The little nuance of him jumping into Eric Kendrick's blind spot yeah. and getting Eric Kendrick's to basically go back to the inside. You could see it right there. Watch the top of his break. He sits. He sees Eric Kendrick's flowing hard. Daniel Jones is not rearing back to throw the football. Daniel Jones is about to step up because the Vikings still aren't really 100% aware of the fact that this guy is going to run and he's been killing you running. So let's continue to run high side and not play any contain with no quarterback spy. That's really smart from the Minnesota Vikings. But watch how Isaiah Hodgins sits. He's like, okay, I'm covered. Let me just work into the blind spot and then influence Eric Hendricks back inside. And then I'll explode out because Matt Breed is being matched all the way to the sideline. That is such a smart play from Isaiah Hodgins. And I don't know how many times I have to say that, Dan, because it's just consistently coming up throughout the last several games. Yep. And look at what it turns into a 32 yard reception. This is just, it's just phenomenal stuff, man, from the offense here. And this is the play I referenced earlier on this first and 10. I love they went to the bag with this one um, with the uh, end around to Darius Slayton. It didn't work because DJ Wanham played this thing so freaking well. But you can just see from the all 22 angle as you just watch it there that if DJ Wanham doesn't read this play the way he did and he crashes down, it's probably a touchdown. Right. Like, I think he reads the blocks. They're set up well. They're well ahead of him. There's only three defenders left from two guys, one on the inside. Slayton has the speed to beat that guy. It's a potential touchdown in the red zone here if Wanham doesn't read this right and crashes down. Wanham did a great job on this specific play. But even look at Daniel Bellinger, who really just tracks down Sullivan. Number, yes. I think that's Sullivan, number 39, and then delivers this block on him. Like, this is a really good block by Daniel Bellinger in pursuit. And then you're right. If Wanham doesn't play it so well, Darius Slayton is going to extend this wide and then try to get in between Bellinger and Hodgins because they basically create that alleyway right there. And it would have been this block by Bellinger that a lot of people would have been discussing and talking about, but that's not exactly what happened because Wanham plays it so well. But I still like the play call out of Pony. Me too. And now it sets up a second and seven, one of my favorite plays of the game. Why is it one of my favorite plays of the game? Well, they're in tight a tight formation with heavy personnel, 12 personnel on the field. And look how easy this touchdown ends up being. They catch the Vikings completely off guard. Daniel Jones operates a great ball fake here, flips his hips back. Daniel Bellinger just wide open for the easy pitch and catch. This reminded me of the early season where the Giants were just crafting up free touchdowns in the red zone, Mike Kafka. And this was just another one of those free TDs in the red zone. And you could see it like there's just no way this play doesn't work. It's almost impossible for this not to be a touchdown once you get to the point where Jones has hit his back foot and he's throwing the football. Yeah, the Giants scored two touchdowns, I think, on the same exact play against the Bears when Tanner Hudson was that guy. Only right. Daniel Jones who just kept the ball both of those times. But here he ends up finding Bellinger and even the little nuance and the subtlety of Bellinger and Cager holding this block long enough 
Watch, they're holding, holding, and then they're chipping and releasing once the mesh point is gone, once Daniel Jones is already starting to roll. And I think it's at this moment where Patrick Peterson's like, oh, I'm screwed, because Patrick Peterson yeah. falls for the run fake right there. Watch, he takes a few steps inside thinking that this is going to be a run. He doesn't even account for Daniel Bellinger. And watch, Daniel Bellinger is already just toasting him at this point. And that's because the blockers sold it so well, and so did the New York Giants up front and Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. And this was a perfect play call at this time because the Vikings decided to blitz Harrison Smith, and you could see 22, if we watch it from the end zone angle, just comes in unabated, and he realizes once he crosses the line of scrimmage, ah, oh, crap, this is the play action. Watch, he runs right at Saquon Barkley. He's like, oh, well, I guess I'm screwed, and they were. <laughs> yep, and that's sometimes what can happen when these events get overly aggressive. Daniel Jones has made them pay, sometimes with his legs, there with his arm, and just great play design by Kafka. Anytime you see a touchdown that looks like that, you got to give some credit to the offensive play caller. So we'll go into the sixth drive. It's a six-play, eight-yard drive that ended in a punt. This was the one where on second and seven, James was wide open, but the ball was bad at the line of scrimmage. Otherwise, this could have been a huge drive. But it starts here with some success early on. You're going to see 12 personnel here, a little tighter. Um, it's cover two look pre-snap, and Jones is just going to find the easy solution here, which is a five-yard gain to uh isaiah hodgins just attacking the space here yep attack the space it's right there for him jones reads a pre-snap knows that eric kendricks has a ton of space to cover from inside the hash all the way outside the hash since bynum is aligned what 12 yards 13 yards off of isaiah hodgins he doesn't right. step down he goes into a back pedal this is an easy simple read for daniel jones and honestly whenever daniel jones is given these easy simple reads he's executing them at a high level like he's executing them at an elite level and that's a credit to coaching. That's a credit to his development and growth, as we said. But look at the bottom of the screen, the double Y set. You have that thing I was talking about a little bit earlier with Cager on the line of scrimmage and Daniel Bellinger off the line of scrimmage. And then that same release where they both just kind of stack on top of each other. I think this is something we're going to see against the Eagles because, Dan, we haven't seen much of that. Right? We've, seen, we've seen double Y sets, but we haven't seen a lot of one of the guy on the line of scrimmage, both tight ends in line is going to run vertical and the other one is just going to sit and they're going to attempt to clear out and get simple pass to Daniel Bellinger or create an explosive play with the speed of Lawrence Cager. I think that's something that Lawrence Cager offers this offense. I like that. I'm interested to see now if that's users, the Eagles. And when people like me talk about how we love when a team passes on first down instead of runs on first down, use the pass to set up the run game. It's plays like this one that really are the reason we feel this way. It's not just that the stats completely back it up to like an insane extent that can, almost can't be argued, to be honest, if you look at them. But it's also because this is as easy as a run play. Like when you understand, like if looking at this pre-snap, like Nick said, based on where the safety was aligned and where the ultimately the linebacker was forced to go out and make the play and cover Isaiah Hodgins is, this is easier than running the football. Like this is a more guaranteed yardage than running the football, especially if you have a quarterback like Daniel Jones and a receiver like Hodgins who are just on the same page so much with great spatial awareness for where to be and where to put their body and where to shield defenders from. Like this is easy money. This is way easier than running the football. It is. And I also think it's just kind of wild that Ed Donatel asked so much of his linebackers and yeah, covers. Like it's got to be difficult to be a linebacker in this defense because he's consistently aligning with two, three guys deep. And then he has five guys up on the line of scrimmage. And he's like, all right, Jordan Hicks, Eric Hendricks, have fun. And like, how is Eric Hendricks supposed to get all the way out? Like, that's a tough <laughs> ask. You're right. And You're it's, like, it's like, right. like that the entire game too. Like, I just felt like that there wasn't a lot of adjustments here. And I, I know yeah. Sean loves that Ed Donatel and I trust Sean's assessment of him, but just watching... How Mike Kafka from hearing Sean, by the way, you could tell me if this is interesting. I just want to get your take on this, Nick, before you, I didn't mean to cut you off actually. So make your point first, because you might not come back to it. 
No, but I was just going to say, just watching how Mike Kafka manipulated this defense the entire game. I mean, it speaks to Mike Kafka, who we know is an absolute stub, but what the hell, man? You got to make some adjustments. And he made a couple here and there, but it just felt like Mike Kafka had the script to just defeat this defense the entire game. I completely agree with you. And when I made my proclamation earlier this week, like I really feel confident about this game. One of the reasons was I thought Kafka was going to beat Donatel and win that match, the coaching edge was going to be so large. And it was the other didn't work. I thought the Giants D line would dominate up front and against this beat up Vikings line. That just didn't happen. But speaking to the first point, I almost feel like with Sean, he just based on what I heard, Nick, it almost felt like he was more trusting just the principles of a Fangio based like a Fangio type system and like you know eventually you'll get to it right like because when these guys if they can get these second and third levels in sync like things that you were talking about before like how they were so out of sync and like pattern match concepts it will start to look really good right like every Fangio defense in the past that's really hit its stride but right now they're not at that point and like you said they're not really making adjustments when things aren't going well that's the big key and I think we'll switch to this screen for a second. Yeah. And I think we saw that with the Giants, right? Like I've watched a lot of the Giants defense. I still got some film I have to work through and then to write everything down and get everything organized. But the Giants ran a ton of quarters, man. They ran a ton of middle of the field open type concepts, which is oh not something that Wink Martindale does, right? And I felt like Xavier McKinney and Julian, they were passing those routes off. They were so in sync with each other. They were playing as a unit. And when you watch this Vikings defense, they're not playing as a unit, really. They're, they right. seem like they're just running around and there's always these coverage, blown coverage. How many guys have we seen wide open on yes. simple like defensive principles that were just blown by this defense? And you can knock the Giants defense all you want for what happened yesterday. I know a lot of people have, but it's like there's a difference between what happened with the Giants defense and the Vikings difference. Not only the Giants rack up a lot more yards on offense, there were a ton of big plays and explosive plays for the Giants offense. There really wasn't many for the Vikings. Like even their tech quote unquote explosive plays like the Hawkinson ones. Those weren't like big, big gainers, like 47 yards, 36, 22. Like we're seeing the Giants just chunk off in this game. And that's because of what you just said. The defense was so much more on the same page for the Giants and the Vikings. Yeah, it was it was great to see, man. I absolutely love good sound football and great coaching and prepared teams. And this is what this New York Giants team is. I feel are, like yeah, I'm so redundant. I say that like three times every podcast, but I feel like we deserve That's that. We right? Say, yeah. We gotta put <laughs> we that energy deserve, out there. We deserve that. <laughs> we deserve um, yeah, it. Agreed though. F it. We do deserve that. I don't want to talk about a bad football team. It's not fun. Or a poorly coached football team. So anyway. Where are we? We're back on this six drive here that ultimately ends up in a punt. We showed the Isaiah Hodgins using space. Now we have a second and five situation. It's 21 personnel. They're going to run a, this is the play I was talking about earlier. I just love how this looks. Uh, it didn't work for a huge play here, but it's just really fun with the fakes. And then with uh, Brita coming back around on the end around, it just ends up looking like something that, you know, they had designed, they hadn't used it. Look, you got pullers. Like this could hit for a big play if it's executed well. It wasn't, but it could hit for a big play. It's a wingback handoff. It's a wingback handoff off of a halfback misdirection pitch to Saquon Barkley with Daniel Bellinger also running. And you can see Eric Hendricks and Jordan Hicks both react to Saquon Barkley and Daniel Bellinger. And then you just have Daniel Jones hand the football off underneath to Matt Breida and watch Nick Gates just plant Daniel Hunter. That's a nice kick out block by Nick Gates against Daniel Hunter. Andrew Thomas is your lead blocker. Like that is a great situation to be in. But honestly, the backside pursuit ends up really making this play. Zadarius Smith, who I felt like had a solid game overall, like he didn't have that huge impact that Zadarius Smith has sometimes, but like even a little play like this, he realizes what's going down. You can see how he stops here and he just puts his eyes right on Daniel Jones's hand as it goes into Matt Breida's stomach and he sees it and he's the one who kind of tracks Breida down to make the tackle. Yep, nailed it. And that will be setting up a third and one situation here. 
Um, this was just a really good individual play by Matt Breida coming around on the end around. It's played perfectly by the Vikings. And this dude just fights for every last yard to convert this first down. This is probably one of the more underrated plays of the game if the Giants were to score on this yes. drive. <laughs> Since they punted, it, it kind of gets uh, lost in the sauce a little bit. But you it's have the two tight clock, right? And keeps the defense off the field. And this is 22 personnel, too, because you have two tight ends on the field and two running backs. So Hodgins is the only wide receiver on the football field. And like you said, the Vikings read it so damn well, but Breda just willed himself to pick up this first down. Yep, sheer power and will. Now we have a first and 10 situation here. <coughs> Excuse me, 11 personnel look. And we're going to get a three-yard run with Saquon Barkley here. Yeah, Saquon Barkley kind of just gets tackled, and it looks like it could have been a lot worse because Daniil Hunter just stood up Andrew Thomas, and Andrew Thomas is one of the best tackles, one of the best offensive linemen in football, but this is a really good play by Daniil Hunter to set this edge and then just kind of corral Saquon Barkley. Luckily, he fell forward for a couple yards at least. Now, this sets up the second seven. This was the drive-defining play here. Great design from Mike Kafka. You're going to get a wide open. Maybe it's also just a bad coverage by the Vikings with a ton of busts in this game. You're going to get a wide open Richie James breaking over the middle. Who knows how long this play could have been if it's if it's not bad at the line of scrimmage. Incredible play by Harrison Phillips to get his hand up and put a hand on this football. If not, we've seen it all game. Jones was on target all game. This would have been another on target ball. In stride, James catches this. I think there's a chance he can beat that angle with the safety. I'm not sure, but I think he he will, especially if he catches in stride. Um, but instead, it's an incomplete pass. Look at the Vikings defense here too, man, because Saquon Barkley flares out, so he's going to remove Eric Kendricks. That's something we've seen the entire game. You have two guys taking Isaiah Hodgins with 24 playing deep, and right. then two guys taking Darius Slayton and nobody accounting for Richie James. Like yeah, There's no way. coverage left, I guess, right? Oh, 100%. There's no way they design the play in that manner. I'm, I'm imagining that like 39 is going to wall off Isaiah Hodgins, but why not wall off number 80 right. who's going underneath you? I guess he assumed that Eric Hendricks was going to take that. And Jordan Hicks, you have both the linebackers kind of out to the boundary side, but Jordan Hicks takes Lawrence Cager. But why don't you just have either Patrick Peterson or the safety take Lawrence Cager? You know, like it's, it's just a mess. There's, there, there's a lot of you end up having three players in the vicinity of Darius Slate, like accounting for Slayton there, which is so unnecessary. And one guy just kind of playing deep by himself in camp. That's what, yeah, including him. Right. He's just deep half like respecting Slayton or whatever. But there's a lot of plays like this where I just feel like they were playing too deep. Like they were just the depth they were playing at didn't make sense versus the, versus this offense. But I guess that's what happens when early on you run out like you saw earlier in this film, those Yankee concepts and things, those deep hitting concepts. And you start to hit a couple against yeah. the Vikings. And then they're like, all right, well, we don't want to get hit by that again. And that's kind of the value, by the way, of them coming out and running those plays earlier. Yeah, I think that's a really excellent point. And then third and seven, Daniel Jones ends up getting sacked. Pass protection just kind of breaks down. Barkley loses picking up Eric Worst pass protection rep of the game, I thought, by, by the Giants offense overall. Evan Neal gets beat around the edge. Yeah, there's a lot of players losing on this rep. Neal, Barkley, Gates. The only one that doesn't is Andrew Thomas. <laughs> yep. And <laughs> you're, you're damn right. Look at him over there. Literally the only one. Oh, wow. I didn't like what I saw at the end of that. See, Ooh, neither did I. Roll that back yeah. with Thomas. What did I just see with Thomas kind of limping at the end of that? Get stepped on. Yeah, he might have just got stepped on by, by, by who, though? I don't know. I'm not going to try to play doctor right now, but didn't like that little jump hop there by Thomas at the end. So hopefully that doesn't show up in the injury report this week. Well, we shall see, but he's right there to pick up Daniel Jones after the sack. So that play ends that drive uh, only unsuccessful drive until the Slayton drop at the very end of the game. 
It's going to set up a seventh drive, which is a 12-play back-to-good 75-yard touchdown drive by the Giants here. So this 75-yard touchdown drive starts with 11 personnel, a two-by-two boundary stack. It's a cover-one look, as you can see here. The safety rotates in the middle of the field, which, again, Jones has done a good job beating in this game. But on this one, there's nothing open. There's nothing available. There's no B-gap to run into. So Jones just kind of climbs the pocket and throws it out of bounds. Smart decision. Smart decision just to get rid of it and not take the sack. I felt like Daniil Hunter did a really good job anticipating Daniel Jones going through the B-gap. You can see how he goes high side, sets, and then works back to the inside to close it off. Right. Jones realizes it, throws it away. Good good call on that. Sets up a second and 10 here. Again, second and long, a down that usually hurt, hurt the Giants in the past. Not anymore, not in this game here. You're going to see Jones just hit the crosser there. You got two horizontal crossers, Slayton coming on the drag. It's a good good way to scheme this playoff because you got Slayton matched up here against the linebacker on a drag and that's a tough spot for anyone on the Vikings or anyone really and this is the same play that Darius Slayton drops a little bit later in the game it's the right. same play where Richie James got hit on the second play of the game against the Colts it's the same play where Darius Slayton had 30 plus yards against the Vikings on Christmas Eve it's just that this one's not actually a boundary stack. You have Daniel Bellinger kind of operating as an H-back. They change it up, but still, it's a similar thing. He's going to release vertical, and then Darius Slayton's going to release underneath, and that's going to isolate Darius Slayton against Jordan Hicks, who always gets isolated against Darius Slayton. I'm sure he's like, how does this keep happening? What the heck? <laughs> yeah. And you just have to like, you have the two deep. I know, man. You have the two deep horizontal crosses from James and Bellinger, and you can see James actually has leverage as well, but take this to Darius Slayton all day, and this is something that Kafka – has taught up and he's schemed the last several weeks. This is a simple concept. It's a high, low, just horizontal cross right. drag. And look, anytime you get Darius Slayton against a linebacker, you're going to take it. It was actually a really good play by Patrick Peterson to come across the field and make that stop mm -hmm. there because it could have been an even bigger play if not. But that sets up a first and 10 here. And this is one of the plays I put on Twitter. I just think it's just such a good job of showing the growth that Daniel Jones has had because in the in the past, we've always said, like, dude, when you see this and you can and you can anticipate the blitz coming, just throw the bubble. Look at the leverage you have. And that's exactly what he does. He turns what could have been a negative play if he handed the ball off here to Barkley, because it would have been, or just if he doesn't recognize the blitz fast enough, it could have been a sack or a throwaway into an 11 yard gain. And I put this play on Twitter because I think it's shown his progression from a mental standpoint so much. And Mark Schofield, friend of the show, who, by the way, now, Nick, we got to get back on the show because he said he would and he's around. So we got to get him on because we already had like three BBB fans like saying, like, get him on, get him on. So we will. We will at some point, obviously, maybe after the season ends. But he was like the biggest difference I've seen. This is kind of his TLDR, Nick, of what will eventually give us when he breaks down Jones on the show. But his TLDR was too long, didn't read, was Biggest difference I've seen in Jones this year is his ability against the Blitz. And I think that's a fair assessment. Like, he has made such a jump against the Blitz. I don't think I've ever heard the TLDR thing. Oh, you've never heard that TLDR too yeah. long, didn't read? Okay. I was going to ask you, and then you actually said it, and I was like, oh, man, okay, that's that's kind of cool. Yeah. But you're right, dude. And you can see, Daniel Jones, this is what he's doing. He's flashing his eyes up because he's going to check that bubble. He's in pistol, so he's turning toward that direction anyway. So he's going to see if he has leverage with Richie James, and he just sees the blitz. He's like, all right, screw the handoff. Not going to hand the football off. Just going to take the bubble. And we don't see the Giants really execute the bubble. We see Richie James running it a lot, but it's almost right. like – it's Steven Glansberg. Like he's just out there by himself and no one ever pays attention to him. He's just by himself eating lunch. But here, Daniel Jones sees the opportunity to get Richie James, the football in space with a safety coming down from depth. And then James makes a miss. And this is a solid gain. Just excellent intelligence from this quarterback. 
I loved it. I really love to see stuff like that. So small play, 11 yards, but to me, that stands out big time. Sets up a first and 10 here, another 11 personnel look, another cover one look by the Vikings. When Again, when we say that, we mean, look, there's a middle of the field safety close. There's no split safety look there. Um, and what are the Giants going to do? They're going to figure out, look, I can come, I can try to come underneath here to Darius Slayton here. Uh, but, you know, Vikings played this pretty well. And I actually think it was a pretty good throw by Jones. It just wasn't caught by Slayton. Yeah, it's really contested. Patrick Peterson did a really good job yeah. playing through that catch point and slate and it kind of hits the ground. So it goes incomplete, but look, this is a boundary stack kind of right. There's a little bit of a split between them. Saquon Barkley flares out Eric Kendricks matches. If you look at the top of the screen of the field side, that's probably where the football should have went. But Daniel Jones just reading this half field and then making his decision off of that. But you actually had the out route here because number 20 isn't coming down and cutting on that number two. So that would have been the the read, the optimal read. But again, Daniel Jones is only reading half the field and gets the football into a catchable point. It's just not secured. And that sets up a second and 10 here. And again, this was just a really nice play here by the Giants offense by Daniel Jones here. You have probably, in my opinion, the best throw that I, I don't want to say throw. I think it's the best combination of throw, the best play I've ever seen from Daniel Jones considering the context, right? Because it's a playoff game. It's second and 10. You need this. This is a got to have. You don't want to put yourself in third and 10. And there's so many things I like about this play from Jones. But what I like the most is the arm talent on this play because he's rolling to his left. He does not have time to reset. He has to flip his hips off balance, rip this thing out there, basically with only his arm. And what ends up happening, he ends up somehow getting a ball out here that's heavy, that's tight spiral, that has velocity, that beats beats the, you know, beats the, the ball, beats the, sorry, the defensive back to the spot. And it's perfect pinpoint placement. I think when you turn it over and you see the um, end zone angle, Nick, you could really just see how big of a rip this was by Jones. While again, moving to his left as a right-handed quarterback and being forced to flip his hips. This is an insanely difficult throw to make for a right-handed quarterback. And he's able to just rip that ball out there. Now, you can nitpick. I think it's fair to nitpick on this one and be like, damn, look at how amazing of a route Isaiah Hodgins ran. And he did because look at that right leg. Boom, that right leg sets him up and Peterson's completely off guard. So yeah, with anticipation, Jones could throw this ball early and doesn't even have to leave the pocket and just hit him to that spot. And maybe there's some yak opportunity, but that didn't happen. It's not going to happen every play, but to have the arm talent to actually, once you're forced out of that pocket, flip your hips back around and just rip that thing out there like he does on a line to the sideline. It's pretty damn impressive, man. Yeah, he's great breakdown, by the way. He felt the pressure. Evan Neal kind of gets bull rushed back into the pocket. And you're right, man. Look at this little shimmy by Isaiah Hodges. I'm glad you can see it on the end zone angle. Just hard plant to the inside and watch Patrick Peterson's momentum. And I think people who want to nip well, it will turn around the Peterson, by the way. Yeah, yeah, you can see, right? What do you mean he turned around? Um, watch Peterson's body. Look, at you're going to see the seven. Like, he's fully flipped around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no. Yeah, he's completely off balance. He loses his balance right there. There's a little subtle push-off might have influenced that a little bit, but we're not going to call that. Peterson was trying to bitch about at the end, but I don't fuck. Yeah. They're not calling that. And I think nitpickers will say, hey, the ball should have already been out, but I love the fact that Jones could have ran here, but he saw it and it might've been a tad bit late that he saw it, but he still was like, no, I can rip this football in with good placement. And he does exactly that. And Isaiah Hodgins, man, what concentration to come down with this ball. Cause I know the giants use tempo to, to run this next play, but that was still a catch, man. They didn't need to completely agree with you. They did not need to, but they did run tempo and it's back to back. Really awesome plays for me, for Daniel Jones, really awesome throws. I should say, first of all, I love that he's looking left and holding the safety by looking left and then comes back to the right. That just shows his progression from a mental standpoint. 
Because look, this probably isn't available to him if he's staring right, because you can see the safety's completely off balance following his eyes. Um, and then just, man, dude, this freaking throw out here, like this is phenomenal ball placement. To me, this is the type of throw where I, when I hear the Giants fans who say, if you just get Daniel Jones, a wide receiver one, who knows what could happen? It's these kinds of plays where I feel like I know what can happen, right? Like you yeah. throw this all out here to Jamar Chase or even to Andre Hopkins, who I don't want on the team based on the fact that he's old. I would never give an aging receiver with an injury history and a PAD history, a new contract. That's not me. I don't, I don't run my business like that, but if they do whatever, but those types of receivers, you throw that ball out to them. They're making this catch. They're tapping their two toes in and they're scoring a touch. I know people are like, well, he would have been out of bounds even if he caught it. I get that, but the great receivers understand the spatial awareness, and they're able to make this catch and toe tap it. But from a ball placement standpoint, dude, with the combination of one, the trajectory that he put on the throw, and two, where the actual ball lands from a placement standpoint, this is a sick freaking throw. Oh, it's an amazing throw. And it was all facilitated really quickly, right? Because the Giants were in a really up-tempo type of mood to not have the Vikings challenge the previous play. And look at Daniel Jones, man. Look how many times his eyes go back and forth just reading the coverage. First, he checks the safety over to the left side, and then he's going to check the right side, sees the one-on-one -on -one matchup, goes back to the left side to see if Bellinger comes open. He does not. Sees the safety is not in position to play the one-on-one -on -one against Darius Slayton and then puts it up from the far hash. Man, that is touch right there. That's yes. a very catchable football. Not an easy play but a catchable football and you're right. I think a T Higgins, even not even a Jamar chase, but a T Higgins yeah. comes down with a catch like this. We'd like Darius Slayton on this podcast. Darius Slayton's not a number one. We know that he has a role on this team. He's an NFL player, but he's not a number one. I think real number ones make this catch. And it's because Daniel Jones put it into a very good position on this type of play from the far hash. It's, that's and again, dude, he doesn't even really get to fully step into the throw. I don't right. think. Man. Great point. You're right about that. He doesn't have to step. He doesn't even step into this throw, dude. That shows the arm talent. This is another example of phenomenal arm talent. Back-to-back -back plays that show off his arm talent. And I, I got to be honest, Nick. I think I, I, I'm fair. I think it's fair to say it now. I think I've underestimated Daniel Jones' arm talent overall. Now I do feel like, and I'll stand by this. There's no tangible evidence behind it, but I do feel like the balls come out this year way better than it has in the past. I don't know if that's true or not. It's hard to say, but. At this point, with what's what he is now, this is a great like from an arm talent standpoint. I feel like he has. It's obviously not Justin Herbert. It's not Patrick Mahomes. I don't don't get me caught saying that. It's not Josh Allen, but it's that next level for me for sure. It's definitely in a by far and away and above our average arm talent. And when you th put string together two back to back throws like the last one we broke down to Hodgins and this one, that's those that's enough for me to be like this dude has plus arm talent. I think he has plus arm talent too, no doubt. And I want to say one thing that has nothing to do with the game, Dan. Yeah. I feel like the this all 22 camera guy, the one who is showing yeah. the all 22 and not yeah. just the end zone is definitely the favorite student of the all 22 guys, because this guy <laughs> is so much better than the end zone guy. Like, look, he zooms in, look how close he gets. You can almost see it getting bounds man this guy is so much better than the end zone guy who is not framing it well he misses kenny galladay's block <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're right you're 100 right he's way better the end zone angle guy sucked and we'll see him we'll see it throughout but i like that table <laughs> i like that little thing that you just <laughs> broke down there it's pretty funny that's like the as nerdy as it gets this is the nerdiest podcast out there for football i would probably say at least for the giants and that's like that's like the inner nerd coming out right there from both of us right there you with the observation but it does set up you you saw it oh, too. Oh, I right? appreciate something like that, yeah. and I'm sure some of our listeners will. It was very nerdy, but I loved it anyway. And it's back-to-back -back plays because here's the play where Kenny Galladay has the epic block. 
And we don't even get to see you're you're hundred percent right. These guys just he's 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 struggling on the end zone angle, whoever that guy is. And sorry, we're not trying to knock you, buddy. Like you, you'll get better. And as we say that, we're gonna run the end zone angle, and everyone's right. gonna see how you can hardly see the Kenny Galladay block. And it's like the most predictable play. Like you just get it at the last second, right? Right. Ah, devastating. You kind of see him. What you a kind of see it. And that's what like, a, that's one of the next ones. That's one of our next plays. We're like the unsung plays of this game. The unsung heroes. Gale is one of them because he made this block. He had six snaps. And one of them was an impact play. This is an impact block. That is a get bitched moment right there against Duke Shelley. Like he, like he literally got planted and then shoved back down. Like, I know. This, <laughs> yeah, which is legal yeah, I, by the way. It's like taught yeah. that way. I remember when I was a kid, I, um, I was playing back of foot, backyard football against my uncle, right? And he used to play football, and I was like, you know, twelve years old. And he got up on the line of scrimmage to press me, and he's not a big guy, so I was just like, ah, oh, whatever. And he pressed me to the ground, and I was like, what a dickhead, you know? It was such a dickhead <laughs> moment for my uncle Ken, but at the same time, like I remembered it. So now, whenever like someone pressed me throughout my football career, I was always like anticipating it, and I really felt like that's what just like I I, I was Shelley on this, but I was Duke Shelley, yeah. and my uncle was Kenny Galladay. Yeah, and just and then there's probably the same kind of size difference at the time too. Probably hilarious yeah. move by your uncle, by the way, to, to do that against a 12 year old nephew. Just a fucking wild move by him. I love it. Uh, <laughs> either way, that block sets up this big play here, which is a 10 yarder to dig him out of a second and 10, set up a new first and 10. That's huge there because look, if Golly doesn't make that block, Shelly makes the play. Maybe it's three yards, four yards, five yards. You got to convert a third down instead. You're getting yourselves a new set of downs here. And on this new set of downs here, you're going to see a little zone read play here. This is the play I referenced earlier, uh, I believe, where I just look, and I'll get your take on it, Nick, and see what see how you feel about it. But I think if Evan Neal does a better job executing this block, Daniel Jones taken for a touchdown. Because you'll see at the end, Patrick Peterson does eventually flip his hips back. But I know Jones, and I think Jones wins that angle. Maybe he doesn't, but either way, it's a bigger gain. Um, but well played by Wanham here, and it turns into a five-yard gain. Yeah, I would say it's more so Wanham with a very okay. well played, uh, just well executed play, just spin back. Like that takes a lot of body control to spin like that to get back into the rushing lane because Evan Neal's trying to force him off the spot to create this cutback lane. And Evan Neal, he's not the best in terms of positioning himself into contact when he's on the yeah, like, Look at how lean, how forward leaning he is there. He's he's forward leaning and he allows Wanham to, to spin like that. But I also think it's a good play by Wanham, but it okay. doesn't. Plays like this do not shock me from Evan Neal because Evan Neal's had these types of issues throughout the entire year, but I don't think this is like the most egregious rep by Neal yeah. either. It's no, one no, of those for reps. Sure. Yeah, it's just one of those reps where you're like, ah, oh, man. like It's one of those reps where I'm just like, this dude was the seventh overall pick. I love this college tape. I want to see him make explosive, big-time changing plays like this. Like, just take him out of the play, right? Like, take Wanham out of the play one time or something like that. Yeah, Wanham, I mean, Wanham's very long. I remember him at South Carolina, and I was like, that guy's going to make a good day three pick. And I feel like he's had a pretty solid career from from watching from afar. Yeah, it was a good eval, eval by you. I don't remember him too much, so good call on that. It's a second and five after that. We're going to go back to 11 personnel. This was another play where, and I think I tried, I, I was bringing this up maybe in the beginning or maybe to you off pod, Nick, so I'm not sure. I'll just re-say it. But this is another good example of the um advancement Jones has made in his game from a mental standpoint here. Like it's a Zion rollout to his left. You're hoping to find something open. Nothing is open in the past. I've seen Daniel Jones try to hero ball this bad boy and it got intercepted. There's not even a thought by Jones here to hero ball. He's patient because he's always patient. Now when he's moving, he's letting things develop. He's giving himself as much time as he can. You can even see at the end, once he rolls out and settles, he does another little shuffle, but he understands 
fans the whole time. Like, I am not going to hear a ball this thing. I'm throwing this out of bounds, and I'm going to give us a chance to score. And if he does hear a ball, maybe it's intercepted, and we lose this game because of it. Exactly. This is a 24-24 to 24 game at this point. Right. So you can't hear a ball. And think back to week one in 2020, which was Daniel Jones' second season against Pittsburgh. He threw, I think, two interceptions in that game. One of them was on one of the worst design plays I've ever seen, where Bud Dupree was an unblocked defender to the play-action rollout side. But that ended up being an interception as Daniel Jones got absolutely clobbered. And we've seen it several times throughout his career. But right here, he has all the time. He's patient, like you said. He's scanning the field. He doesn't seem to be jittered or anything like that. But he just was like, all right, it's not there. I'm just going to throw it out the back of the end zone. I, little plays like that, man, just throw it to the 12th man, even though you're away. I think that can go a long way in your development. I completely agree with you. And that's the difference. We have five interceptions by Jones on the year, the lowest in the league. And I heard someone say yesterday, um, or no, today I was listening, Bill Simmons called him a smart version of Josh Allen at this point, which is <laughs> funny to hear. I think he walked I mean, he made it clear he was joking. I mean, Jones doesn't have that same kind of arm talent, but he's obviously playing really well now, but he is right in the sense that Jones isn't make is making decisions. Like we just showed you where it could have been intercepted. And we've seen some dumb Josh Allen interceptions, but it wasn't because Jones understood what to do in that situation. And what happens to a few plays later, the Giants score a touchdown. So it was key. I love this throw here, Nick on this third and five. You talked about the throw earlier to Hodgins, which is a similar throw, but I thought this one was super special to me because this ball needs to be ripped out there. There's really not much space on this out route by Richie James. The defender is pretty much not fooled by it and pretty much right there, but Jones absolutely sizzles this thing and mm. gives the receiver a chance and he catches it and it's not a first down, but it's four yards to set up a fourth and one. This is on a line, Dan, and it's thrown right as... Richie James is kind of coming out of his break. You can see Daniel Jones already rearing back. He's isolated against a linebacker. Patrick Peterson is just going to gain depth to, to match Daniel Bellinger. Jones has to get this out quickly in a prompt manner. And this is the difference between a touchdown and three points, really. Like this could be the difference in the game. Little plays like this and Daniel Jones rose to the occasion, which is something that he's been apt to do recently. Yep, completely agree. So we'll see a fourth and one here. It's a quarterback sneak by Daniel Jones. A big one here. He takes a massive hit on this. This was one I was talking about. You can see from the end zone angle. I'm happy we haven't heard anything yet about an injury, and I don't. I think he's fine. But this, you don't want to see his neck kind of like push back like that, as you can kind of see there. Especially somebody who had a neck injury earlier in his career and had neck surgery. Um, but it seems like he's fine, and he did get the yard. He got the yard, but yeah, he got hit hard, and that set up this Saquon oh Barkley run. This, this run, run, dude. And you know what I love about this? If you pause it right by the end, you could see a big smile from Dalvin Tomlinson because they were just jawing at each other. And Saquon Barkley talking about like, you could see Dalvin Tomlinson smiling right there. And Saquon Barkley is talking trash to him. And he said after the game in, in the press conference, Saquon Barkley did that oh, on the next that. drive, Dalvin Tomlinson gave him like an extra shot, you know, just, he just hit him <laughs> a little hard. So it's uh, a friendly I'm extra shot. For that play. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure Dalvin Tomlinson loves a lot of these guys on the New York Giants. Man. He was a true, he was a true giant. He really was. And I miss him and he's still a really good player who's playing at a high level, but Saquon Barkley, low man wins. We talk about this low man wins low and man wins, but dude, we just may, you know, we spent two, three years talking about how low and how well Dalvin Tomlinson plays with leverage. So low man wins, but you have to beat one of the best in the business at the defensive mm -hmm. tackle position, as far as getting leverage and staying low. And he'd contacts him early here, Dalvin Tomlinson way before the end zone, but Saquon Barkley's sheer willpower and leg drive make this a touchdown. Like, that's incredible to me that a running back can kind of drive his way through a defensive tackle like Dalvin Tomlinson, who is known to play with really good leverage. 
it's more than incredible, man. It really is. Like Saquon Barkley's a huge back. He's 235 pounds, but Dalvin Tomlinson is 325 yeah, right. pounds. There's a huge difference there, almost 100 pounds. And you could see right there, this isn't like a, oh, I kind of hit you. Oh, you ran through my arm tackle. No, Dalvin Tomlinson, wrestler Dalvin Tomlinson has Saquon Barkley fully wrapped up with really no resistance. So seven, Evan Neal kind of gets bitched uh, on this play and, and he contacts Dalvin Tomlinson, that is Saquon Barkley. Like you said, like at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage and just drives through Dalvin Tomlinson. Just an excellent individual effort from Saquon Barkley and just the jawing is excellent. Yeah, you love to see it. Touchdown Giants gives them the 31-24 lead that they would not relinquish. But Giants defense came up big on the very next possession and forced a punt. And so that sets up the eighth drive here. It's going to be a nine-play, 17-yard drive. This one could have been a game-sealing offensive drive, but obviously you're about to see. You all know it by this point, but it was the drop by Darius Slayton, unfortunately. But it starts off here with a little empty set. They run the little flare out here with Saquon Barkley running as like the fast three. It looks like here, I believe, or maybe he's just the number three. Yeah, he's coming in as the fast three. Um, ultimately, maybe you kind of want Daniel Jones to throw that out to Barkley with that much space, I think. Yeah, but he opts to go on the inbreaker to Richie James and it's played well for an incomplete pass. Yeah, we saw Ed, we've seen Ed Donatel play this several different ways, right? We've saw a lot, especially in man coverage where the linebacker matches Saquon Barkley covering a ton of space. Here is Harrison Smith matching him and then Eric Hendricks blitzes. So it's not like the Vikings blitzed all that often, but they blitz here and Jones just thinks Richie James is going to win this or he can outrun Sullivan, but Sullivan really played this well and swatted the ball away from Jones or from James. I think Saquon Barkley, though, if you look, Harrison Smith has a ton of space to get to yes. Saquon Barkley. That would have been a really big play and probably a missed opportunity. And that's okay. Like we said earlier, and I'll say again, I've learned through watching enough film. You're going to have, it's not, everything's not going to be perfect. You're going to miss some reads occasionally. Of course. Um, it's a fast game. So second and 10, 11 personnel here, the giants make up for it here. And what did Mark, what did I say about what Mark Schofield said a little bit earlier? Biggest difference in Jones's game is it, his ability to beat the blitz. And here you're going to see a six man pass rush from the Vikings. This is an extra two extra blitzers on this play. I should say, and Jones beats it, man. He gets the ball out to Barkley. This is the exact place to go with the football you can just see based on where the vikings are blitzing from and who's left to account for barkley you're forcing a linebacker come all the way across the field and stop barkley who's already has a step on him toward the flat and what ends up happening 12 yard gain for the giants and a first down and it's not like the giants use a lot of three by one set but when they did they would flare barkley out to the flat in some manner either through the line of scrimmage like we broke down or out to the flat like this and saquon barkley looks like he's going to pass protect then he just runs to the flat and watch, Eric Hendricks is matching him. He has Daniel Bellinger running right through him in all that space, similar to the play we broke down just a little bit earlier. Giants really use these three-by-one sets well to set Saquon Barkley up in the flat. Yep, and that sets up a first and 10 situation here for the Giants. And they're going to look, it's late in the game. They're trying to run a game-winning drive, and they call quarterback power. I just freaking love that. It didn't work this time. And you have even Barkley coming out as the lead blocker. It was played super well by that Vikings defensive lineman, and it didn't work. But I do appreciate the call by Kafka here. And also, look at Daniel Bellinger, man. Daniel Bellinger throwing blocks, bro. You absolutely love to see it. Just Always. driving Cam Bynum. Always doing that. This is just a really good play by Daniel Hunter, who is getting blocked down by Darius Slayton again. Like That's just tough. And then John Feliciano is a step behind to get to him, and Daniel Hunter makes the play on Jones. And that'll set up a second and nine situation here. Going to get another blitz call from the Vikings who really started to ramp up their pressure calls toward the end of the game. And I just freaking love this play by Daniel Jones here because it's just, to me, look how fast he comes off his predetermined pre-snap read, right? Like he wants to go to the right and he just understands quickly based on what he sees. It's not going to be there. And 
And also, while that's not going to be there, there is going to be an option based on where the Vikings defenders are and the leverage they had pre-snap to just hit this quick like pivot by uh, Isaiah Hodgins. That's exactly what he does. It's an eight-yard catch. It's a solution to a play that the Vikings were blitzing on and had pretty well covered as far as what he expected pre-snap. The footwork by Isaiah Hodgins is excellent. And remember, just a little bit ago when we said, I know Jones was only reading half the field, but he right. had Isaiah Hodgins on the out route because the cornerback to the outside was not cutting. He wasn't going down on the number two. He wasn't reading the number two and trying to trap him. We said that, and now Jones goes right for his first read to the half field, but he doesn't like what he sees with Harrison Smith blitzing. So he comes directly off it and goes to the field side to deliver the out route off the pivot to Isaiah Hodgins. And I'm not sure if that was a coaching point from Mike Kafka or it was just happenstance, but it's an observation that we're making here on the Big Blue Banter podcast. And I think it probably had something to do with it. And that's clicking in Daniel Jones's head, bro, really, right. really fast. Like the acceleration of this guy's mind and how he's seeing these defenses, it's really, uh, it's really just developed in. And, and progressed so much this season. Yeah, you just that's what you see from the great quarterbacks, the ability to come off it so fast like that and just move back. And now you're starting to see it from Jones. So it's just awesome to see. It does set up a third and one here, though, where the Giants try to run Saquon Barkley to pick up the first down, and the Vikings play it really well, and they get a stop for no gain. Yeah, Vikings didn't really get too many stops because the Giants didn't really run the football too much in this game. And I honestly thought he had it, but I guess he just like ran into a wall and just yeah, doesn't look like he got any yards. Because once Daniel Jones going in the mesh point, I'm like, oh, the, the blocking is not great. And I feel like whoever that is on the line of scrimmage, I think it's Tonga is doing a really good job against Feliciano. But I expected Saquon Barkley to squeeze through, and he just didn't. Same. Good job by the by the purple people. Agreed, but it does set up a fourth and one and the Giants. I love this freaking call from my from Brian Dable, dude. Like enough. Like let's try to win the football game, right? Let's not play not to lose. Let's try to win the football game. And he trusts his quarterback, who's a really let's be honest, a pretty damn good quarterback sneaker, especially with these NFL rules. And I'm wondering if they will change him, but you just got two dudes behind him. One's Nick Vanette. It's just like pushing him forward. It's just very hard to stop this. I think the NFL will change the rule on this. I really do believe that because it's it's at this point, like a completely unfair cheat code. Just have have somebody lined up like a yard behind the quarterback and just push him. There's I, I don't even know how you could stop this personally. I think you just have to get such a good push on the defensive line and consistent push. I'm not actually sure, but Good job. Good call by the Giants. And they picked up the yard. Yeah. I have written in my notes, not BDE, HDE. <laughs> okay. okay. Huge D energy right there from Brian. They will go out and win the game, baby. Huge. You know what I'm thinking of when you say huge? Who? Um, do you remember the Curb Your Enthusiasm episode? It's one of the best ones of all time where Jeff uh, has, or I'm sorry, Richard Lewis is it's Richard Lewis kidney season and Richard Lewis is like bed sick at the time. And he has that like at home nurse and, mm -hmm. and Larry and her like could discover that Larry, that she knows Jeff and says, Oh, how do you know Jeff? Well, I dated him. And then she gets oh, like, a yes. small dick. And huge, then he goes, huge. Yeah. <laughs> huge opening. Was it, was it Babe Ruth's baseball that ended up it was going Babe Ruth's baseball or Luke yeah. Eric, one of those, one of the like famous Yankees. Oh. And at the end with the cell phone, when he calls it and it's, it's just like, it's so <laughs> well done that entire episode, but it's one of my um, favorites. Apologize by the way, to the big blue answer listeners who are, um, you know, maybe listening with, I did say some words I wouldn't, you know, I don't always like to say on the pod, so maybe we'll edit it out, but probably not. You're just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, but we'll try to uh, restrict that. We'll restrict that. it moving yeah. forward. That for sure. We restrict Look, we're excited. We're excited. Right. We're going to select. Yeah, we're excited. Yeah. We're talking about Giants winning, curb your enthusiasm, like Nick and I's favorite comedy ever. So yeah, we're going <laughs> to do it. So we're going to come back to the game here though. 
Um, now it's a first and 10 situation They're at this point, the giants got a little conservative. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't love it, but it's fine. I understand there's three fourteen left. You want to burn some clock. I get it. Keep the ball moving. So they run a little zone read here and it just goes for no gain. But on second and 10, they come out with a play action rollout, trying to keep catch the Vikings sleeping a little bit. Yeah. They want to hit Barkley here quick in the flat. I know that because I've seen this play so many times, but it just wasn't there. The Vikings played it very well. And again, though, Jones is patient. He keeps his eyes downfield. I'm very glad he doesn't throw this football, but it's not just Barkley. We, we saw this so right. much earlier in the season, right? It's Daniel Bellinger, too. Oh, look, I'm engaging, blocking. I'm blocking. Never mind. I'm just going to sit here and just be quiet. But Vikings were kind of all over the place. So this is a good time for Daniel Jones just to kind of take a sec. And that sets up a third and 15. And this is the big slate and drop over the middle of the field. Last offensive play of the game besides the kneel downs. This would have been a guaranteed first down, potentially a touchdown. Either way, the game-winning play. Um, unfortunately for Slayton, I did love with with Brian Dable after you know that play. He's like, dude, we're going to mm-hmm. need you. Just, just just great coaching right there. And there are still so many great things Slayton did in this game, man. The 47-yard yeah. reception, the 32. Like, It's going to be overshadowed by this drop, and it does suck that this happens to him a good amount, and I understand why Giants fans are frustrated with it. But... Either way, I love the aftermath with the coaching and the defense thankfully pulled the Giants out of this one despite this mistake. But how the hell are the Vikings giving the shit up man? on the third and 15? It's just insane to me. And look at the play. It's the same play that we went over, I think, three times on this podcast and we've seen over the last three weeks. It's just Daniel Bellinger off the stack. And, you know, this isn't really a stack. There's a little bit more of a split, but he's just going to release vertical. Darius Slayton right underneath, create that pick. And on the other side, you have Saquon Barkley flaring out to the flat. It's matched by Eric Kent. No one's in the middle of the field, Dan. No one. The two deep horizontal crosses from James and Daniel Bellinger. Why are there so many? Wait, roll it back, Nick. <laughs> Look at how many. Like, a little further. Go, 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 go. Sorry, sorry, sorry. A little further. No, 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 no. Not further back. Move forward. Sorry. Oh. My bad. Bad, bad rate of stop. What the hell are all those Vikings defensive backs doing stacked like that? So far away from the like line from the first down mark. It's just crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Peterson was tasked to cover Darius Slayton on this play, and he's in no position to. He's outside the numbers on the bottom of the 50-yard line, and Darius Slayton hits the 45-yard line and starts to turn inside underneath a vertical releasing wide receiver. And there's no one just to take it because Eric Hendricks goes to Saquon Barkley. And this is kind of like, I think, just the way Ed Donatel called this defense with so many guys preventing the explosive play. Ironically enough, Dan, it led to so many explosive freaking plays because of just yep. the underneath portions of the field were never accounted for effectively. Craziness. And it worked out for us, though, so I'm, I'm thankful for it. But definitely unfortunate. If he catches this with his speed, he might be able to turn that into a potentially massive gain there. And obviously, either way, it's a game-winning play. So whatever. Giants were able to dig themselves out of that and a roughing the passer. That was BS, and they won the game. So it was awesome stuff. We're excited. That was really fun film to break down. Most fun of the season. Let's get to some superlatives now, though, Nick. I want to start with your unheralded player of the game. Unheralded player of the game. There's a lot of directions that we can go in. I think you can go with a Darius Slayton, even though he dropped the football because a lot of people are down on him right now. But I think I'm going to go with John Feliciano, who I felt like had a very solid outing. And look, he's John Feliciano. He's, he's not the most athletic center in the world. I got it. But I feel like he does have a level of toughness and an understanding about this offense. And he threw a lot of key blocks here to help spring Saquon Barkley. And he was, I would say, solid overall in pass protection. So if we're going with an unheralded guy. Then I'm going to go in that direction. Okay. I was thinking about this. I don't think he qualifies for a big blue band or podcast, 
But just given where he's at across the NFL, still people are starting to figure him out. I saw Matt Harmon, uh, uh, you know, creator of reception perception, say he's going to run mm-hmm. one on this player because he's really impressed by him. A lot of people are starting to get impressed by him. But I kind of want to give this to Isaiah Hodgins. Like all the unheralded plays he made, understanding the spatial awareness, falling forward for that first down, yeah. dude. Like eight, just the playing on a bum ankle like that. Like I think he deserves it, but I think it's a little unfair to call him unheralded. So I'm going to go with somebody else. I'm going to go with Matt Breida. There you go, that, bro. Yeah, yeah. Who had that? You're- obviously, that hustle play on third and one, but also had a few other big play, uh, deep solid plays for the Giants. And just in general, his presence on the field and those pony twenty-one personnel looks helped Saquon Barkley and helped the entire offense with the motion. So he would get it for me. But I still think like Hodgins, you can make a case for Hodgins. Our listeners do not think Isaiah Hodgins is unheralded because right. they are aware because we've been talking about. <laughs> yeah, it. we've hammered it home. But on a national. On a national landscape, yes, you're 100% right. Because I feel like people are like, well, this guy's pretty good. They found him on a practice squad. They're right. just finally starting to come around to it. We're like, you're slow, all right? So <laughs> catch up. This guy is this guy's a good football player. Yeah. So I, I think it's fair for me to take it, to, to give it to, to reference him, but also give it to Brita there still. So let's go with your favorite play. Or no, sorry. Let's go with your favorite throw of the day by Daniel Jones. And there are so many, but I think I'm going to go with the Isaiah Hodgins one uh, on the sideline, the 19 yard gain. But honestly, there's like 10 that I can name. And I think I would be like, yeah, that one deserves it. Like those far hash throws, even some of the ones yeah, that were incomplete were very, very impressive. True. There are a lot. It was an incredible game. I'll go with that one because I did call it the best, my favorite throw of his from his career. So it's hard not to give it best throw of the game. But I say for me, a close second was the Darius Slayton uh, ball in the end zone that was almost caught, that back shoulder ball. I mean, that thing was just a perfectly layered throw, the trajectory mm. on that thing. Like you said, I thought that was a great observation you made where like he didn't have a chance to step into that throw. That just shows off the arm, the natural raw arm talent. He didn't pat the ball on that one. This great throw all around. How about your favorite route run? Favorite route run, I think, is one of the Isaiah Hodgins one, like in the first seven yards between the line of scrimmage and where the defenders were, which is not really a deep one, but it's just understanding exactly where he is. And it has to be the one against Kendricks where he works into his blind spot and then goes back outside. I think that was a really smart route from Isaiah Hodgins. Every week, Isaiah Hodgins is running some sort of route that we're impressed by. And it's not always because he's so smart and knows how to uncover against zone. It's also because he's deceptive with the little nuances of faking defenders out and manipulating them at the top of his breaks and getting them to do exactly what he wants them to do. And this is somebody doing this at 24 years old at what, six foot four, 215 pounds. Like he has a lot of interesting and intriguing traits that I feel like we should be very excited about. I completely agree with you. And there are a lot of options on this one. You mentioned one of them. I'm going to go with his big catch. The, the the play we just said was the best throw of the game from D- Daniel Jones. Also my favorite route run by Hodgins. Like watching Patrick Peterson completely be turned around off balance to the point where you can see the, the jersey number because he's totally facing the end zone at that point. That's an insane route, dude. And like just sticking your foot and getting your quarterback to the like like we said, like not to nitpick, but if that ball is thrown with anticipation and early, like it's an easy pitch and catch and it's maybe a touchdown if he turns up field. But either way, the dude created like four or five yards of separation for that play. So that one was the one for me. How about your favorite play call from Kafka? This is another one that has a lot of options, I feel like. There's a ton of options. I think I can just go with the play calls that with the boundary stack and the drag and the deep horizontal crosses from both sides of the field. That's been successful for the last four weeks now, but I think I got to go with the pony package, man. And just how he ran the football successfully so many times might even go with the statue of Liberty just because there's so much swag to that play. So So let's go with, 
yeah, there's just so much swag to that play. But I think I'm gonna actually go with the 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 wing back handoff underneath in okay. pony to Matt Burita. And it's just because it's keeping defenses honest. Really, it's just pony package in general and how it's keeping defenses honest because the Giants are running the football out of it with two separate running backs who are both talented and they don't really tip their hands on exactly what they're doing. Yeah, I think that's a good call. I think that one's definitely in the mix. There's a lot I was thinking about. The one I'm going to go with, though, is the Daniel Bellinger touchdown. I know we've Mm -hmm. seen it before in the past, but what I love so much about it is when a coordinator can do uh, a play caller coordinator, whatever you want, whatever it is, can do what he did on that play. It's a second and seven in the tight red zone. He really shows run there with everything he's doing with the personnel package, with the formation and just it, it. And everyone's expecting a run there. It's the giants. It's second and seven in the red zone. They have Saquon Barkley. And then just to come out, run the play action where it's the fake counter. And then you have GJ flip his hips to the left and it's just wide open. Anytime you can design something so wide open like that, it's the winner for me. And the adjustments with Saquon Barkley going through the line of scrimmage right. instead of flaring out, isolating against Jordan Hicks in the three by one oh, set. Yeah, that play could definitely be on the. Yeah, that's another one on yeah. the short list. We need to get Dougie Analytics. Shout out Doug Analytics. Go follow him on Twitter if you don't. He's an excellent follow in terms of New York Giants analytics stuff and just Giants in general to to see what the how the Giants are employing their two by two and three by one sets over since the bye week because I feel like the Giants use so many more three-by-one sets, and I don't have anything to really base this off of other than my memory, uh, have so many three-by-one sets from before the bye week and then slightly after the bye week, but in recent memory, basically since the last Minnesota game, I just feel like they've been so much more balanced with two-by-two sets. And now we've seen three-by-one, but every time it was essentially just a free-up Saquon Barkley. It's it's a, just an interesting observation, and I'm wondering if Dougie has the numbers on that. Yeah, shout-out Doug Analytics for those following along. See if he, Doug, if you're listening reach out to Nick or I, and we'll, we'll get that up for sure. But yeah, I think that's an interesting observation for sure. Let's go with the best player on film overall for you. Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is the best player. I mean, it could have been Andrew Thomas. He had a flawless game. He had one play where Daniel Hunter kind of set the edge against him. Oh, he's terrible. Yeah, like, like right. yeah, exactly, Dan. Like, But I, I think you have to go with Daniel Jones. The team is asking this quarterback to lead them, which is something that a lot of people doubted. We, we weren't really 100% certain if Daniel Jones had that at the beginning of the year. And I felt like that was a, a fine feeling to have if you were a Giant fan, because we didn't see it consistently. But now we're seeing it consistently and not just through with his arm, but with his legs and with his decision making. So for me, it's Daniel Jones. It's easily Daniel Jones for me. I mean, if I told you the Giants would win a playoff game, scoring 31 points, racking up 400 plus yards of offense, and they only ran the ball nine times to take on Barkley, you'd have to look at me in the eye and say, that means Daniel Jones dominated the football game. That's exactly what he did here. Played a dominant football game. And even some of the throws that weren't completed, like that Slayton ball I talked about in the end zone, that was a great play by Daniel Jones. It's not on him for, you know, and it's not a, it's not on Slayton either, right? Like it's a tough catch to make. You need a wide receiver one for that, like a Higgins type, like you talked about, but then think about the drop, like the, the big Slayton drop. That's another 45 yards. He could have racked up on his stats. Now we're talking about a quarterback who racked up 420 yards of total offense on his own 78 rushing. It would have been like 350 passing or something like that. So man, this was an incredible game. This was the best game of Jones's career for me. I thought it was his best game and it beat the Tampa game personally for me. Cause even in that Tampa yeah. game, like think about like what, what 77 of the yards in that Tampa game came from just like a little like drag to Evan Ingram that he like beat the angle on and housed like great, great. No, not taking away anything from Daniel Jones. He also had the six Slayton ball where he's rolling to his left and firing at the post. But like that was, this game felt like it was more just he's in full control. Everything he wants to do, he's dealing, he's running the ball. It just it was a phenomenal game. So I'm going to go to him. 
you brought up Evan Ingram, and I think I'm going to tweet this, and I oh, do believe it. I oh, think. It's so sad. I know you're going to say. Yeah, I think if Brian Dable was the coach yeah. of Evan Ingram, Evan Ingram would have 100% have justified the first oh, round pick. It's so sad to think that if the Giants were in a different salary cap situation and things have ended a little bit differently with Evan Ingram, they didn't have a Galladay contract, they didn't have some of the dead cap from the from the Logan Ryan dumps decisions like that. They maybe could have done a one-year deal with Evan Ingram on their own, right? And Brian Dable yeah. with Evan Ingram right now, we're a better team if we have Evan Ingram right now by far. Like, we are a more dynamic team in the playoffs. He looks phenomenal with Jacksonville right now. He really does. He was the best player they had on the field with Lawrence in that comeback. Do you remember when we used to say he's a mismatch nightmare? And then we would mock it because we never really saw him be a mismatch nightmare. Right. But this coaching staff would make him a mismatch I nightmare. I get it. He had the injuries. He had the drops. And he would still have some drops. He's not dropping the football all that much, though, in Jacksonville. His hands are a little bit better. Yeah. yeah, which, I mean, that's a fluky thing. It can come and go. But at the same time, a lot of his drops came on similar type of concepts where he's breaking back towards the quarterback in an antiquated offense instead of running him across the field or using him in play action slide the way Doug Peterson is using him. And that's how Brian Dable and Mike Kafka would have used him. So it would have just made that 2017 first round pick a, a worthwhile venture instead of, oh, wow, what could have been with Evan Ingram as he's dominating and just earning a huge contract right now after signing a 10 mil deal. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what that looks like. But you're yeah, right. same here. Let's wrap up here with a pass blocking and a run blocking grade. Let's start with the pass blocking grade one through 10. I think 8.4 could go even higher. The pass blocking was pretty good. Evan Neal, not perfect, not perfect, but I felt like the interior offensive line held up well against a pretty solid defensive front. They didn't have to do too much because Daniel Jones was getting the football out of his hands so quickly, but it was much better than I feel like a lot of giant fans believed it would be. Maybe even maybe a little bit before this week, just because we hit a really rough patch during those Washington games around that time of the year. So I think an eight point four is fair. I'm gonna go eight point six. Phenomenal game from the interior offensive line, like you talked about. Pitch perfect, perfect game from Andrew Thomas. Only like fewer than a handful of reps that were bad by Evan Neal, to be honest. Too. That's as good, almost as good as it gets. It's close to a nine, eight point six. There. Let's wrap this up with a run blocking grade one through ten, which I also thought was pretty good. Yeah, I'm gonna go with eight point one. I'm like debating, should it be higher? Should it be lower? There wasn't too many runs. Yeah. A lot of them were just Daniel right. Jones. I felt like the blocking to the play side on some of those really long runs was phenomenal. There were a couple plays where it was like a one yard gain or a minus one yard game where like Evan Neal lost kind of badly as a run blocker. That makes me mm. bring it down a little bit, but still overall, it was really, really, I would say it was better than adequate, right? It was good. So I would go yes. with an 8.1. I'll go seven two. I'm a little lower than it on you, just because I I think at times when they tried to run the ball on first down, they were denied a, a f more That's so fair. than not. Yeah, um, still a ways to go there. I still think they need personnel upgrades on that on that offensive line to really get the run game going. Yeah, go ahead. I think I think you made me think too about it because some of the ways Kafka was dialing up some of those creative pony runs, mm -hmm. if they were blocked up like that much better, it could have been so much uh, such a better gain. You know, it could have yes. resulted in such a bigger impact instead of, you know, a six yard gain or something like that. Right. Completely. Yeah. So still a solid grade and still definitely, definitely didn't hold them back, but yeah, I'm going to go a little bit lower there as well. And I know you kind of adjusted that too. All right. That's all we have for today on the offensive film breakdown, big blue banter, keep it locked and loaded here. You might be listening to this on Monday night. Hopefully the Cowboys lose cause F the Cowboys. Um, but if not, whenever you're listening, make sure you rate review, make sure you subscribe, download to all this really help support us. That's all I'll ever ask. It's going to stay free, but just help support the show in any way you can. And I've kind of provided those ways. The only ways we'll ever ask. So otherwise have a great rest of your week. You're going to hear from us very soon tomorrow. 
by the way. Uh, earlier, we're going to record tomorrow just as a heads up the defensive film breakdown. And I think it's going to be interesting because I think that the film is going to tell a better story than maybe the broadcast angle told about the Giants defense in this game and what Wink Martindale did. But other than that, past that, we're going to start to turn, turn the page over to the Eagles. Previews of the game. We're going to do another show with the entertainer where we'll, we'll kind of do a live Q&A. Things of that nature. So again, keep it locked and loaded. Have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.